Hello, welcome to Plant Chat episode 112. We've got Jaws here today to join in us. Thank you, Jaws, for coming along. And we've got a, oh. ourselves a very solemn opening, actually, to, to this episode as well. As of the day of recording, um, this is actually the four-year anniversary of the, uh, of the passing of Internet Hulk as well, who was a huge um, figure at the very beginning of Overwatch, provided a huge amount to the community in terms of uh, mentorship, playing a huge amount at the beginning. Um, uh, he was moving into coaching. He was, uh, as far as I can recall, going into League of Legends at the time uh, of his passing as well. And that, that hit the Overwatch community incredibly hard when he died four years ago. Um, and unfortunately, this week as well, we've got another, another guy who's passed away way too young. Um, alarmed the flex support of the Philadelphia Fusion, uh, we found out just yesterday, um, has died at the age of 20, uh, which is an absolute tragedy um, for anybody. Um, but it feels it feels especially hard, I think, for the Overwatch community because he was such a such a uh, a big figure within the scene. Um, it might sound a little strange if you weren't familiar with Overwatch because he was like the rookie of the year last year, but he was competing in Overwatch for so long, and so much of his pretty short life as a young adult was dedicated to getting good at Overwatch and being great. He was competing ever since Apex Season One at a role swap. He's got an argument for being the best flex support in the game even though his team was struggling this year um and yeah this is uh an, an absolute tragedy i'm he will be remembered as not just an incredible player but just a, a super nice guy as well uh, some of the stuff that we'll show later on as well like his letter to poco and the the ways in which he interacted with people and left memories with people competing with both fusion university and the fusion team I, I don't know anyone who ever had a bad word to say about him. He was just a, a legend in the game and a wonderful person outside of it who had committed himself to a dream and achieved it and exceeded whatever he thought he would be able to, uh, to achieve when he was setting out to play Overwatch. Uh, so, yeah, we've got some highlights and stuff like that. And this tweet as well, which was a, um, a translation from Nugget, who had presumably spoken to Alam's mother or read a tweet or something like that, and the translation saying that uh, Alam's mother said that she'd like everyone to remember her son as a good player. I will absolutely remember that. And, I mean, you, you cannot argue with that whatsoever, right? That's an absolute Insane. legend of Overwatch that's been taken away. Insane yeah, one of the best player. flex sports in the game, for sure. And he, he was on a fair, like... A... <clears throat> A crazy hyped team before he joined the Overwatch League as well, obviously Fusion Uni, but before that, Lunatic High and like BK Styles sure. back in Apex, yeah. like you mentioned, had that role swap, uh, played main tank a long, long time yeah. ago, and now one of the best supports in the league. And yeah, it's honestly the most tragic news I think uh, the offseason has brought us so far. And it's, yeah, what yeah, a devastating loss for the community as a whole. Absolutely. Um, I, I think we're all like in a state of shock, really, that this happened. Like it was announced like last night uh, for us, time of the recording. Um, you know, a lot of people have suggested that like perhaps we should rename the Rookie of the Year award. Um, I think that's yeah. a very viable, like um, earnest cause and something worthwhile discussing, you know, with the league, see what happens. Sure. Um, yeah. yeah. I think because of what you mentioned, like how important he was to the league, because of his gravity to, uh the league um because he was so good at what he did i mean if it wasn't for philadelphia fusion struggling with visa issues um trying to get their team in one spot and all that this year like this guy is like 
a, a role star like for the flex support role and yeah, I, I mean, he was to some even though they struggled yeah. right because Absolutely. he is that good um so he, he was a huge player uh for the league and um um i i expect a lot of good things uh to come out whether it's like highlight videos more about his story um honoring him um and what he did to contribute to the award scene because he truly deserves it um like you said an amazing guy as a person very well liked um but very uh just a very fun player to root for uh, you know with his big plays where Definitely, it's like yeah. huge sleep darts big bionades um um you know he he had a bit of that like Reggie Hong kind of presence that like he's the flex support on this team and like he stood out on the server so um we'll see we'll we'll see what happens moving forward um incredibly sad incredibly sad news to hear this yesterday yeah i think Josh you touched on it a bit because it's just he was 20 yeah i mean that's a ridiculously Unreal. young death for any person no matter the profession right yeah like that's just insane like like it's really just you know, you have to feel really bad for his family there because he just had, he was just really beginning his life. Like it, it essentially hadn't even started that much when you think about the grand, the total lifespan of a human being. So sure. it's, yeah. it is really tragic um, to lose him so early. And I think the easiest wish is what his mom said is to remember him as a great player because I feel like that's like the bare minimum in terms sure. of like remember him as a great yeah, player because he's, I mean, when I think of like flex support players, He's to me, he is like the second generation of like when you think about how Jonak sort of redefined flex support in season one, he's like that next generation of supports that stepped after that. That was like so aggressive and so mechanically oriented. They they changed they they get their presence was felt and their teams was built around them a lot of the times and how they played. And like when I remember why I had the I was lucky enough to get the cast him when he was playing in North American contenders at Fusion University. And he was just unbeatable. Like Fusion University just couldn't lose because their back line was the best in the entire region. And probably the best back line all of contenders uh, when they were playing, arguably when it was funny Astro and him. So it was, it's, you know, kind of a shock. And I think it is a definitely something to think about potentially renaming the Rookie of the Year award after him because I have no doubt that if he had played another season with some rebuilding efforts, I mean, the guy was just continued to be a superstar. And also... Yeah. Two, like we talked about, just super, super nice guy. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say anything bad about him ever. Like, no, no, yeah. everyone's walked away with positive experiences. It's clear that he's just like a really earnest individual, like that just cared about competing and was yeah. nice, you know. Like, and it's so I mean, it's this, just a tragedy. This moment as well that we're watching. This is when he found out that he'd won the Rookie of the Year award. When he's tearing up in an interview, and he just what what strikes me as well is it's. It, Every player in the Overwatch League, you might not realize it because it's all online and people just look like, you know, you only see them in the webcams and stuff. But they're all, they're all not just real people, but people that have dedicated huge amounts of their time, huge amounts of their life to pursuing a passion that they're not sure they're going to turn into a career. And then when it becomes a career, they have to dedicate so much more of their time, so much more of their life to it. I mean, for, for Alarm himself... Competing with Fusion University was competing with a group of people that were very culturally different to himself. Moving over to North America, moving away from his family. He did, I mean, get to compete for the last year in Korea, right? Because Fusion, uh, Fusion themselves were, were over there. But he, he developed so many friendships with people that were outside of 
the people that he would have normally interacted with, I assume, when he was, uh, if he had lived a, a different life in Korea as well. So uh, there's, there's, he, he is an incredible player, but he's also so much more than a player. He's a, um, a, a young adult that got to pursue his potential and realized so much of it and yet had a, a huge amount more to give. It is, it is a complete tragedy. Oh, bro, yeah, it's been a been a rough, rough time recently. You know, some bad news, oh. and I think it's just I feel like if anyone is feeling hurt about it, you know, you have. I think it's a completely valid thing because even though you may not have known Alarm, yeah, if you were a fan of the team, it's hard not to imagine. I feel like he was as baked into the structure of the team as Carpe at this point. Cool. You know, like he was the foundation of the fusion in many ways, and like their future goals. It felt. Uh, so it is a, just a categorical, it's just a loss in all categories for the league and for the fusion and for the fans and for his family as well. I, I feel yeah. so and of course, terrible for them as family. well. I, I can't, I, I mean, I'm sure we've all experienced loss in some way, but I cannot possibly imagine the loss of losing a child. I just, uh, how do you, how can you imagine that? The, um, yeah. this letter as well, um, uh, I think is just possibly the cutest thing that's ever been done in the entire history of Overwatch. For people who missed this when it was coming around the f the first time when it happened uh, live, this was when Alarm was getting was turning eighteen and or was on the cusp of it because this was Overwatch League season one. Philadelphia Fusion are going to the playoffs. They're going to the grand finals, in fact, playing against the London Spitfire. And so all of the Fusion University members wrote letters, or at least I think they did, at, le at least Alarm did, wrote letters to the Fusion guys, wishing them good luck. And so this is a handwritten message from Alarm that says, to Poco, he starts it, bonjour, which I think is just adorable. <laughs> yeah. I'm Alarm, I don't know if I will go to Fusion or not, but if I join Fusion, I want to be close to you. When I went to the Fusion house for dinner, I was nervous, so I didn't even say hi, and I regret it now. I want to be like you um, nowadays. I'm going to the gym. Um, uh, going to the gym with Snillo. I want to go to the gym with you together with Snillo and EQO. And you know what? We have the same birthday. Uh, I, don't, um, I don't know when this letter will get to you, but I hope you will make it to the playoffs. I will cheer you on. Goodbye, handsome guy. And that was his... <laughs> His, little, his letter to Poco before he joined and played with Poco. The guy also absolutely fulfilled his goal of going to the gym more because Alarm's low-key cracked. Like, the guy's jacked. He's not just cracked, he's jacked and stacked. He he had been going to the gym with a bunch of them, and, and uh, yeah, I, I, I think this letter is so cute and encapsulates... The kind of relationships he had with the people he played with too. That was his letter to Poco. I don't know whether you guys saw the tweets that um, that uh, Elk put up as well from his time playing with uh, with him on Fusion Uni. Uh, it's just a, a, a collection of photographs where he was um, playing and dominating essentially with with Alarm together in that backline, and just yeah, little 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 moments of memories. Yeah. Um, yeah, like you, like you said about us, like he came up with the Fusion University guys as well. Like I felt like he was part of the Philadelphia Fusion, like even before he got promoted to yeah. league. So, um, I mean, you can see here, like Fusion University back in the day, they were like the contenders team. Like they, yeah, they were like yeah. they invested a lot of it. You know, they brought in Alarm um, and supported them a lot. You can see them here in their 
Hoodie's um, entire crew, and they were hugely successful um, in contenders as well, which uh, everyone just awaited that long being promoted um, to the Overwatch League. Um, you know, and there's been a lot about this. You know, I mean, I don't know how many listening to this show know as well, but like, Pocket's mom passed away this week. Yeah, there's been a lot yeah. of very sad news, like you mentioned, Internet Talk four years ago. Just Kickstarter, hug your well. loved ones, the reach out to. Oh your yeah, Kickstarter. 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 Yeah, that was this past month, right? Yeah, it was, it was yeah. very you know, recently. October. Um, so just awful. Just like hug your loved ones, reach reach out to your friends, um, and. Just make sure to spread more love in the world because you never know. Um, yeah. As awful as it is, you never know. Um, just spread more love in the world. And I also just want to finish up by saying as well that for people who um, are very emotionally affected by this, there's a lot of people in the community who are willing to talk about it. Talk about it, share, share memories, watch highlights together, just talk generally about their experiences. I know there was, I was streaming when I heard the news and there was a bunch of people in my chat just offering to reach out to anybody who was particularly hit hard by this. And like Connor was saying, you might not have known him on a personal level. You might not have been able to say, I was friends with Alarm, but just the, the way in which people interact with their fans, I'm sure a lot of you were felt very connected to both him and the Fusion franchise. So if there are people out there, or I mean, as well, if there's people um, listening to this who are like, were friends of him, I know like Roston, the manager of Philadelphia or any of the people that played with him on Fusion University, um, there's people out there that would be very happy to to talk about these kind of things. DMs are always open on my uh, on my Twitter if people want to, want to reach out and chat. Um, and I'm sure there's more people in the community that would be open to it as well. Um. Yeah, I I I agree as well with the uh, with the idea of the Rookie of the Year award being potentially renamed. Don't want to pressure the league into that because there might be other exactly, ways in which yeah, they're but... thinking of commemorating him. But the idea of having the Kyungbo Kim Rookie of the Year award, I think, is extremely fitting and and similar to how uh, Dennis Avelka was honored as well. Um, yeah. Two complete legends of the scene, and they will absolutely be remembered. Um, feels extreme, extremely cheesy and cliche to say, but. The, the entire kind of um, slogan of Overwatch of heroes never die is is actually apt in this kind of yes. sense because the, the point there being that you remember them for what they were able to achieve and what the, the kind of memories they, uh, they gave to you. Okay, well, Sag Hours. Um, they do be continuing though, but in a very different tack. Because the next topic that we're going to address here is the um, the news that came out of the shareholder meeting for um, for Blizzard for Activision Blizzard. Uh, that was the news that Jason Schreier reported on. That was uh, Overwatch Two and Diablo Four are being delayed. Now, how you can delay a game that didn't have a release date anyway, I don't quite know. But this has caused some serious stirrings and more doom and gloom within certainly the Overwatch community as Overwatch Two. Um, uh, is delayed further as to when that is going to be who knows um and they said mike ibarra who is now the sole head of uh of the company after jen o'neill has stepped down said that uh part part of the delays the delays are largely due to changes in leadership as so many people have been leaving activision blizzard so that's uh yeah all all starts folding together doesn't it yeah it's definitely an interesting one um 
from what I saw from the this earnings call though, or the shareholder meeting, whatever you want to call it, is the the next slide, the next couple of slides, was saying obviously the Overwatch League is still going to continue as normal, and that's going to be the plan. Yes. Um. So at least that is still certain or relatively certain of course things can change last minute you know covid happened so you know anything can happen at this point i feel um but but it's strange i feel like it's, uh, going off your point josh saying well overwatch 2 didn't have a release date it feels like this wasn't really needed to be mentioned is it am i the only one that with that I sentiment think, i feel i think it's a legal no thing for date. shareholders jack i think when you right. when you tell shareholders that you have an expected release in quarter three or quarter four of 2022 uh yeah of 2022 and then if that gets delayed i think you have an obligation to tell them that there are delays because it means that there's going to be an earnings spike at a different period of time, which is going oh, to translate yeah, sure. to stock prices. I'm not, I'm not knowledgeable about this kind of stuff at all. About right. But that's that my that, interpretation. That sounds yeah. close enough. <laughs> it's because it, I, I only bring that up is because it, yeah, if it was like, oh, we're expecting Overwatch Two to be launched at this quarter, like the whole expecting thing seems, it's not like okay, it's December fifth, it's going to get, it's going to yeah. get launched, and then it would have to be reported on that. You know, actually, it's going to take until July twenty seventh the next year. Um, yeah, so that was where I, at least that's where my head was when the news broke. I was like, it hasn't got a release date. Like, why do you have to announce it's been delayed? Surely you can just continue yeah. to make it and not say anything. Because with this extremely negative news around uh, Overwatch two, it's it's not in, it's not. <laughs> Like, no one has taken this like, yeah, this is great. You know what I mean? Like, no one's been like the upside of the coin where it's like, okay, the game's going to be better. You know, it's going to be more polished. It's like the way CG Product Red would just can, like, okay, we're going to delay Cyberpunk. We're going to delay Witcher, whatever, because we want to finish and polish the game a whole ton. And you're like, okay, that makes sense. But with Overwatch, every single time a release date or something around like, oh, maybe the beta will come out or whatever, it's always negative. Like, it doesn't matter what the take. You but part I mean? of that is because if, if you're delaying the next Witcher game or something, you're not stopping updates to another live service oh, that you currently have, yeah. right? Definitely. So it's it's just more and more and more time where Overwatch 1 players are going to be playing a game that doesn't get serious updates. Um, yeah. This is this I is the response the from Andy B, the community sure. manager as well, where he said, you know, it, there was a lot of stuff in here that's just like, yes, I understand your frustrations, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. To me, the only paragraph that actually means anything is this final one that says, one rumor to clear up. Sorry, it's not quite the final paragraph, second to last. I'm seeing a lot of folks assuming a launch date in 2023 is roped. Without being pedantic, I want to point out that there was no release date or beta date communicated in yesterday's earnings call. While I'm not prepared to discuss dates with you here today, I want to quash the rumor of a 2023 release date as being somehow official. Now, that might be quite pedantic, but the point that... The, here's what, the point that I made when I was talking on my stream about it, which is Andy B would not post that to shoot himself in the foot if they really had no intention of doing anything until 2023. The, the, the word that speaks the most to me, though, is beta. The fact that he specified release or beta date in 2022, that to me indicates that they've given themselves a wiggle clause where it's like, okay, the actual game may well be releasing in 2023, but we'll have a beta available at some point in 2022. And that way we as developers can say, well, actually... You know, t don't don't believe everything you hear about 2023. You'll still get to play it before then. So that I could see that world still being 
See, I just plausible. read that and read it as interpreting that they might be open to delaying till 2024 and not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what? No. I, I mean, mean that's the thing crazy. is, I mean, no, okay, that's possible. I'm, 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 yeah, it's technically possible. possible but... God, I'm, wouldn't I'm... that be so funny? He's like pedantically saying, actually, it's not going to be 2023, it's 2024. <laughs> no, I dude, mean, I'm kidding. An... Oh, dude, but... it's April Fool's next year. They just need to say Overwatch 3 is coming in a couple <laughs> of years or something. Just go, hey, by the way, yeah. Overwatch 3 is in the works too, baby. Let's go. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I, I'm just curious about like why they're delaying at this point. Because they're not delaying because of the PvP portion. There's no way they're delaying. Are you they, sure? It has to be the PvP. Did you? What? Did you see the playtest we saw? At, the playtest did for not grand look finals I mean, that looked no, it didn't. Extremely it didn't look... bare bones, and that was mere months ago, right? Yeah, I mean, so... it didn't look finished, but I think they have. I would be more happy to assume that they have things like in place for even the heroes they didn't showcase at that playtest, but they just like weren't ready to reveal it to the public quite yet. But I'm just saying, like, it feels like producing Overwatch 2 PvP is way more streamlined than the PvE side, which is sort of like game design balance, you know, sure. systems yeah. design, like how do you like are we gonna have a ranking system? Are we gonna have a guild system? Um you know, what, what is there to PV? Are we going to have gearing? Are we going to be able to earn sprays or new characters, models, like whatever? There's so much to the PvE side of things that I could totally see being like, hey, we need to delay this. We're going to make this like the best game in the world. We're going to make this the biggest game in the world. It's going to have so many elements to it. Okay, that takes time. It takes a shit ton of time to figure out what is the best course of action and how you're going to go through with that. But the PvP side, like, you know... You know how long it takes to make a map, and then you kind of wrap it up, and you know you you do that, and then with a hero, it's like yeah, it takes some time to brainstorm, but like you can wrap it up. You, it's way easier to like put put out like a roadmap and a time plan for the PvP side of things because the the, the what goes into PvP I, I find more streamlined. Now they might disagree yeah. with me because they're actually professionals or game developers. Maybe I'm you know uh, maybe I'm being you know quite rude here uh, to <laughs> them and their craft, um, but it's like. Like, how, how, how long do we need before we can get some PvP content in here? And, you know, we don't have to go there straight, like, out of the gate, like, right now. But, like, what does this mean for Overwatch League in next year as well? It's like, you know, how, how, how long do we have to wait for, like, Overwatch I do actually, PvP to come out? I think we should move on to that topic as well, though, because Jack was talking about it, too. What, what, what this means for... So, both journalists reached out to Blizzard, and Blizzard have said it themselves... Overwatch League 2022 is still planned to be on Overwatch 2 beta when it begins in April. They have not changed those plans because of this reported delay to the actual game being released, but that would logically conclude that there's going to be an even larger period of time where the public does not have access to a game and the Overwatch League does. What does that mean for contenders? What does that mean for trials? What does that mean for public interest? I think people are just going to be pissed off watching a game that they can't play if there's no I mean, way of getting into only a beta. Watch? Do you only remember watch. Only Watch? Yeah. yeah, does everyone remember that? We were all there for that. I mean, but that wasn't even how long, that long did Only Watch last? It was like a month, maybe two? Yeah, I think it was like, I think it was November and December of 2015, was it? Yeah. Something like that. I, di I distinctly remember DMing Flame for beta access key. Um, I do distinctly remember that time back then because Flame, for some reason, was the arbiter of keys in the Overwatch Pro Discord and was able to give them out to a lot of people. Um, and it was definitely around that time. It was like two months. And I remember people were pissed, but it was a short time frame still. It was like an edging, 
you know, like of leading up to like, then you could explode out into the real game. And like, yeah. so yeah. there was like, people were upset about it. And it's also been attacked that people have also criticized it for things like Valorant too. When Valorant is initial release and it was only the content creators, the big ones first that were playing, mm. people were upset about that too. The now the is difference though, is that for Valorant, it, it drops. Yeah. They did drops. Yeah. And also it was a great, it was a huge move in terms of generating interest on Twitch and on various platforms initially by activating with that. So there are valid reasons, but the thing is that we're looking at a very different time frame here, right? As opposed to like a month to two months to potentially six plus months more? Like, you know, who I mean, knows that would exactly? Be insane. Well, we, but well, we don't know. We just don't know, right? We have no idea. Let's think about this somewhat. Um, from the information that we have available, Overwatch 2, Overwatch League 2022 is going to begin on Overwatch 2. We know, we know that. We also know that because of this reported delay, it's almost certainly going to be the Overwatch 2 release is there's no world in which it releases while the league is running. If the league ends in like, you know, normal time, somewhere around August, September. I think that's true, though. There's, but the beta might be released. But I mean, the actual release date, there's no world in which it overlaps with Why? Overwatch League. Why wouldn't it? Because they already, they, because the, uh, the initial release was somewhere around quarter three and they've just said it's further delayed. I mean, best oh, case. Oh yeah, I mean, best yeah, case. Sure. Scenario, some people are saying 2023. Even if you buy into what Andy B is saying, and he's like, "Oh, it's actually maybe going to be like quarter four or something." Or even if it was quarter three, it's it's there's almost going to be zero overlap. Even in the absolute best, 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 best case, huffing the hopium scenario. Yeah, there's almost going to be no overlap with the public being able to play Overwatch two on an actual release and the season going on. Now they might be able to play a beta. But how many months of beta do you have before a release? You don't have normally six months of it, do you? Maybe. I mean, and also, is this even a beta that we're playing? Like, it, because from based off the playtest that we saw earlier, and also based off the news of this delay, is this going to be a beta or an alpha that Overwatch 2, like Overwatch League is going to be on, right? Like, in terms of its release, like, we don't know the extent, right? My personal opinion, if it's anything similar to the build quality that we saw at the playtest for the pros played at the end of last year, that's an alpha. That's not a beta, in my opinion. That feels like an alpha to me. It doesn't feel very... But all, unless they have a bunch more characters, reworks, and maps waiting in the wings and along some other like quality of life changes and related to Overwatch 2, it, that felt more like an alpha to me. Um, but obviously, that's because of a lack of content we saw. But I, also, I think people are a little... It is good in some ways that this earnings report and call came out because... And because the fact... I think some people were hoping the Huffy... The, were huffing the Hopium a little bit because... I think the the kind of the expected thing that was going to happen no matter what was that next year we were going to start everyone was pretty much expecting at least on the inside that we were going to be on an Overwatch 2 like beta build for at least a portion of Overwatch League next year. Oh, absolutely. That was like everyone was sort of expecting that. The real thing was just more so were we going to get Overwatch 2 in the middle of next year or something. And now that's kind of been dispelled as extremely extremely unlikely. Um so I think that is good, but it is a very worrying thing about like what the game is going to look like. How is it going to, how, what is the public going to respond to it? And most importantly, what is the date between this build that Overwatch League is playing on and the release? Yeah, I mean, my, my, my copium chamber has taken a massive hit. Like the, the glass has <laughs> cracked and like it's leaking out. It's, it's, it's pretty bad at this point because I genuinely thought like my copium was that I thought that if we get Overwatch 2 and like they announced that a couple of months ago, 
for next year of Overwatch League. And if that somehow coincided with an actual release of Overwatch 2, and then if you did like a Valorant drop system or like some kind of that, if you had like some kind of build up, not even like release the game as Overwatch League starts, but as you know, you mentioned just here a couple of minutes ago, it was some kind of like build up to it that made sense. Yeah. I think that could have been great for the game, for the could franchise. Yeah. Because it's a marketing thing as well. Like you get Twitch streamers involved, you build up the Twitch directory and you get all these people involved and people are hype about it. And you have all this content coming out with the game, the PvE side, more heroes, more maps. Like that's a massive marketing opportunity and an incredible rollout uh, for how you want the game to actually roll out when it comes to acquiring new players and getting them involved. Now with the game being delayed, um, and we have this big question mark, what's going to happen with Overwatch League and Overwatch 2? And we applied all these terms like beta, alpha, it's going to be incomplete. How much of the game are we getting? Like, I find that like a massive, massive like stain on the Overwatch League uh, and the Overwatch franchise because there's, there's like no good way to salvage this now. If we're going to end 2022 and call it like the Overwatch League, um, you know, beta season. Uh, or like the Overwatch League, like, you know, uh, in incomplete season. Like you use these terms that generally like leave a pretty sour taste in your mouth. Like that, that's just going to like, you know, affect the view of like reflect poorly on the league um, because we're like half-assing it and we're not getting like a complete product. So it, it's a bit of a marketing nightmare, to be honest with you. And I'm, you know, quite disappointed that we aren't getting that perfect flow of new releases and, um leading the franchise into like some new glory days instead now we're gonna like half-ass it like oh well you get maybe overwatch league pros they get to play like the beta bit maybe someone only watch for a couple of months you know like who knows what the distribution is gonna be if a potential alpha beta comes out whatever like it's a huge mess so it's taken you know i'm, I'm quite it's, it's taken a massive toll on my copium, copium reserves have, really been, have been hit hard oh yeah hit hard. It, it's a struggle yeah so Something I've been thinking about actually recently is that I think Overwatch in a way is almost it got released at a weird time. I I just looked up the original release date of Fortnite because I think Fortnite um and games like League of Legends, I think I think you could say as well. Obviously, League of Legends was much uh much earlier. And it was definitely at the time like a one-of-a-kind game, not in terms of like MOBA, but like how it operates as a title. Um it's free to play, you buy champions, skins, and shit. Um, and it's more of like a live service game like uh league of legends i'd say is one of the first ones to adopt that but like fortnite uh, what the battle royale released in september 2017 i think overwatch releasing just before that it is just kind of it was on the cusp of basically every popular title having a live service to it so when the game got a couple of years older, Fortnite got released, you had like Apex, you had Warzone, you had all these other games that were like more live service-y. Overwatch was in a weird space where you had to buy the game, you got all the heroes for free, and then there were obviously updates for new heroes, new maps, and et cetera. And then at some point, I can imagine then they started to develop on Overwatch 2 very slowly. But um, I think... With the market moving towards more of this live service, people expected so much from Overwatch. I'm not going to give it a pass because, yeah, recently there hasn't been content updates. Those weekly challenges and stuff, that's... Got a Cassidy challenge this week, dude, guys. That is the smallest bit of, like, live service. Hey, but it says new in it. Do. That's new content. It does. it does, and it has a skin you can't get after that. Hey, bro, if you want to grind that quick play, you do that. But it mm -hmm. is... And, like... 
what is the most recent multiplayer map that's not a death mo- uh, death match map as well? I like, actually I don't think know. Overwatch, what is the I answer to that? It, I was talking to uh, Scott the other day. Uh, we think it was Paris or Havana, like one of those. Yeah, and like, I think it is one of those. Because yeah, that was so, I that was so long ago, I can't even remember which came first. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, it's insane, right? And, like, people got so used to this live service aspect of 99% of popular games now that everybody was like, what the fuck, Overwatch? Why aren't you, like, why aren't you doing the same things as Apex is doing? As Warzone's doing, as, as fucking Fortnite's doing. They're updating it so much, to be fair, though. You know, we've heard the stories about Epic Games and their employees working to the grindstone, trying to get as much Fortnite content out as possible, you know. Oh, right, because the people at Blizzard working. are living a, a great life as developers, right? There's not nothing yeah. bad happening over there. Yeah, that's no, the thing. Defi- I think uh, it, it, it hey, loses um, some credibility in that. Sure, but, you sure. Know. Okay. But... I think everybody kind of expected Overwatch to follow that as well. But I think initially the team, team four and like the developers of Overwatch didn't really want it to turn into this massive live service thing where they're releasing updates every, every few weeks, every few months, you know, every two yeah. or three months, you know, with a new character, new skins or whatever the fuck. Right. So I think Overwatch in that regard, it's fallen by the wayside because it's not a live service game. But like it was also a little bit too early for it to be in this massive trend of live service games, and people oh, kind of expected. Oh. But wasn't their stated goal to? still to do like the hero releases one Overwatch released anyway? So there were still live service components baked into it from hmm. the beginning, no matter what, right? Sure. So sure, I find definitely. it weird that it's like, like that's where we draw the that's where it draws the line. It's like you guys will have a live service, but only a little bit. Only yeah, a little bit I think it's more service. the frequency compared to like a lot of other games and like the consistency of these lot of other games too. I'm not sure yeah. the developers or anybody uh, Blizzard at that time was like, yeah, Overwatch is going to be a completely live service and we're just going to continually update it because you wouldn't release a number two if that was the case, right? It would just be like a massive overhaul update for the game. Yeah, um, yeah. And they also, there. I mean, the biggest problem from the community's perspective is that they halted everything for Overwatch 1 while working on definitely. Overwatch 2. That's I'm, the biggest problem. I'm definitely problem. not... Yeah, 100%. I'm not, I am had, in that camp as well. I do have a problem carried with them, on, like, not updating the game. Um, I'm just like trying to give another perspective on no, that. No, no, I understand. I understand. My, uh, yeah. But I think from the community's perspective, they... If the if the development time had been short for Overwatch 2 and the game had come out with all of these big things, it, it, there wouldn't be as much furor over it. But the fact that the game has been just left with tiny, tiny amounts of, of uh, new content, a couple of sprays, a couple of skins, stuff like that, uh, and no new heroes, no new maps, those, are the, the, those things all being put into Overwatch 2 and yet it getting pushed back and back and back and back has just left the current player base lacking. They, they, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've heard more. from several people, like streamers and people who play the game, that like, this is the worst ranked season yet. And I think that they started a new ranked season like this past week or something like that. Like, that it's like the worst one yet. Like, the, the players are feeling fatigued from just getting blue-balled the entire time about new updates and, you know, Watch 2 being released and all this, like, new exciting stuff. And it's like, it's not surprising that that happens. Like, imagine if you had, like, a 10-year-old car and then you're just like happy driving around like it's a car you get to places but then you always have someone saying like hey next week i'll get you a porsche i'll get you a porsche next week and then you just kept getting stalled it's like no sorry didn't come in this week sorry you know like supply we, we couldn't get it going to you but next week you'll have your porsche like suddenly you hate this fucking 10 year old car because you just want to get to the porsche you just want to get this new one so it's no surprise that like the player base is feeling some kind of fatigue over this over constantly constantly hearing about delays you're not gonna get the new game um yeah, like the player base is frustrated and it really impacts the active 
part of the game, those who have stuck around, like eventually they're just going to go play Apex. They're just going to go play other stuff because we get delays all the time instead of good, better, new things coming out. Didn't they say when they released 5v5, it's like, hey, we're going to do monthly updates? Now, yeah, yes. sure, there was like a massive scandal in between. You know, the company has taken big, you know, uh, steps to um, try to repair their culture from what something was obviously unacceptable and unacceptable workplace. And that has, you know, taken some of that um, focus and um, emphasis. Uh, World of Warcraft has done similar things. You know, they delayed some of their like new content patches and worked on other stuff because they, the priority was to, hey, we need to fix the workplace. And I understand if that was the case for Overwatch 2 to an extent. But still, like, there, there's just always delays and the player base that doesn't get it like any good news whatsoever or any like new surprises we did get this for the grand finals which of course is some nice like new gameplay but it's nothing like revolutionary like you know we saw a push map and then we saw some like regular maps and it's like no insight i, mean, I, I suppose i like that they gave us this for sure but i but i do we need to hear more we need to hear more and i i don't buy the whole you know we're, oh, we're really busy working on our internal development um, improvements as well because Blizzard have done almost nothing from the outside, nothing you can see from the outside um, to, to, to solve that kind of stuff. They're now set up in a place where they've got another, again, like the, the, the woman Jen O'Neill that was put in co-leading of, of Blizzard has now stepped down to deal with a non-profit that works for women in gaming. And it's just left another man at the top of the, of the chain again. And I, I just, it's, it's all PR stuff, right? You don't want to release big updates because they're just going to get drowned in, in, the, in the bad shit that the, 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 the company has been done overall. I don't really buy that they, they haven't had time to do the developer updates because they're busy on other stuff. It's just they don't want to do them because of the PR implications. But that just leaves everybody in an even worse spot. Uh, yeah, it's pretty rough. It's pretty rough. And on top of that, there's... I, I mean, it's just... It's not even beginning to talk about the fact that I just keep, like, can, what, how does this, what, I don't even understand how the player base is supposed to get by when we have no content for another year coming up potentially for Overwatch 1, you know, like, it just, it's, it's mind boggling that we're at that point and it's weird that we haven't found a solution to where like, well, can't we dedicate like some portion of a team to make Overwatch 1 content or like anything, anything at all in this case because it's just it's not it's just ridiculous but but also now i'm at the mindset to be like okay fuck it like let's just it's the great reset here it is we're at the fucking we're at the we're at the fermi barrier of all life all intelligent <laughs> life and like pretty much we either sink or swim and it's just like oh it's just literally just what happened with overwatch in 2017 when Blizz when also the ecosystem died all the tournaments yeah. were gone and overwatch league came out and overwatch league was like okay we've killed everything else overwatch league is the only thing and if it failed, the game would have been dead immediately right there. Luckily, it did pretty well, so the game didn't die. But it feels like we're just repeating that same exact scenario, but with Overwatch 2 now, which is yeah. even worse, because now we're not even talking about an eSports ecosystem anymore, though obviously it's included in part of it. Now we're talking about, literally, does the franchise survive in the context as it has? And also, if it doesn't, and even if it maybe like stagnates, I feel like this has to be most fun. With the release of like Arcane from League of Legends now, Overwatch has to be one of the most mismanaged IPs ever. Imagine if where was our Overwatch TV yeah. show? Where was our where was our Overwatch movies? Where was our where like where was <laughs> yeah. all this shit? Like they yeah. back in 2016 and 2017, Overwatch was a cultural zeitgeist. You couldn't go anywhere without someone being dressed up as Tracer or some shit. You know, like you could you literally couldn't do it. So I feel like it's just insane that we haven't had the amount of cultural impact that could have been there 
it's unbelievable. And felt is just By completely way, wasted. The game so is still wasted. the game is still not free to play, and there's been no yeah. plans communicated about that as well. Despite that being one of the most important things for having a game be like uh, <laughs> a, a popular title at this point in time. <sighs> that is super interesting to me because the amount of codes that were given away for like Overwatch. Uh, it's just astronomical. They had a humble bundle like multiple times of Overwatch codes. I, I know a lot of the teams as well in the Overwatch League. If you sign up to their newsletter or sign up to the Overwatch League newsletter, you've got a code for the game. And I'm like, well, this is just the beginning of it going free to play. Like you're giving away so many codes was for the game. Um, dude, I probably it was right around. It was a right Boston it was Uprising right email. Blizz, it was right around Blo uh, BlizzCon 2019. I remember there yeah. was a huge push, lots of codes going yeah. out. I remember. Dude, I, Tons I, I, of think codes. I, I think I have two codes still from the fucking Boston Uprising. Like yeah. that would say, oh, here's a code for Yeah, they I were giving out codes like Dude, fucking crazy around. I got five accounts anyway. I don't need a sixth. Um, but, you know, <laughs> it's it made sense that it was like, well, fuck it, dude. Like, they're just giving away so many games for free. Like, it's going to go free to play in the next few months or maybe, like, next the beginning of next year or something. I, I'm just, it, it boggles my mind that they still want to charge for the game. Even though the player base, at least in ranked, like which is which is where you ideally want players to play, right? Um, especially to help a lot of the queue times. Like, just release it free to play. Maybe they don't have the systems ready or behind it. Well, they're not going to have them ready because they're not going to work on it. But um, to release the game in free to play, it would be a bit of a it would be a bit crazy considering you only level twenty five accounts play ranked, so it might be a bit uh, dodgy in that respect. But just release the game, bro, for free, please. They, Every other they, game is yeah, free at this point. It's, it's on permanent sale too. Yeah, you're also talking about Overwatch being part of the zeitgeist when it was first released. That's absolutely true. Also, the monthly active users are still fairly solid. They're, they're, yeah. <clears throat> there's a lot of talk about the game actually being dead, and sure, there's a lot of people losing interest, and the Twitch viewership is not there, and it's not, it's not in the zeitgeist at the moment. It's not defining in terms of a game whatsoever. But the player base is still not disappeared there's still a fairly it's solid player base it's not enormous but is it comparable with games like valorant given both of their most recent numbers yeah it actually is valorant's a bit bigger but it's not hugely bigger it's not dominating it and yet valorant's marketing and interest and viewership is so so much higher and sure it's a new game so the growth potential is way higher as well but that all feeds again into the idea that the basic interest is was could still be there it's just about how you manage the product itself and the ip and it does feel like it's been it's been uh, mismanaged completely um i want we someone to sell me the on the copium. league section Sorry? about this at all we didn't really talk about the overwatch league implications yeah, well, about this we were i want just someone, to, we I want someone to sell me on the copium what's the best case scenario for overwatch league 2022 i don't mean format but i mean in terms of how that Overwatch League 2022 and Overwatch 2 interact. What is the best case scenario that you could sell me? Huff some copium. What's what's the best reality you can come up with? Like Doctor Strange it for me. I think something that I've been thinking about because I've been thinking about that situation a lot and like the best case scenario is that you have a couple of, say, for example, we do those tournaments again, May Melee and shit. We, you do those, obviously on Overwatch 2, maybe the first one or two tournaments, preferably only one, is played without any drops, any beta access or anything. And then the next tournament, beta codes start rolling out or like big content creators, name all the fucking big ones that sure. do the Valorant event, that kind of thing. They get the codes and then it's ex almost exactly the same as Valorant did because I think that was an enormous success in the way that they did uh, and they are dishing out the codes 
Although it was very funny watching your Twitch chat, Josh, actually just go ballistic. It was the funniest shit I've ever seen, honestly. But, um, Where my key? Where is my <laughs> key, streamer? streamer? Give me key. Give me a prime. Maybe I'll give you a key, buddy. And, uh, you know, I think that is probably the best way to do it. That is the biggest copium I can huff right now is that they just give the big content creators on the second tournament keys or they just so, release keys after watching. And, and, and to nail down the into the specifics of that, you're, that would be around the June joust kind of area. So we're talking like sure. middle of June kind of time, yeah. a beta that would be closed beta at that point because you need an invite to get into it. So June, and yeah. then we're looking Limited, six like, months probably before the game is released. So that's a six-month yeah. beta. So best case scenario that you've cooked up is a closed beta that begins six months before the release, roughly. You could even do it in a sense. You could do like timed keys and limited keys as well. So like you've got the key and you can play it for the entirety of the tournament's length, for example. And then it takes a break. You can't play the game anymore. And it's only a limited amount of games too. Or sorry, um, a lim limited amount of keys as well. So it creates more hype. And then as the year progresses, you've given away more keys and more people can play it. And then, yeah, it's kind of yeah. a big snowball effect. It could also piss people anymore. off too as well. When you restrict oh. key access already for a game that's going to be taking so long i could definitely see a backfire in effect i mean like but there's no great, there's no perfect way there's yeah. no perfect way to do it exactly but I, I find for me the best case is that also if we add open tournaments for overwatch league next year where people can compete on overwatch 2 beta in the no in like an overwatch league ecosystem somehow to mm. me like i understand it's a franchise league still so we're still gonna franchise teams but i would love to see an expansion of like allowing People, if you want to play Overwatch 2, come play the Overwatch 2 beta tournament. Like, you know, let's let's give some access to some people to come play it in tournament styles to like generate that also redirects to our Overwatch League ecosystem, right? Now, obviously, it's the problem with franchising that it's a lot harder to have these open style systems. It doesn't necessarily have to be directly Overwatch League related, but the way I love to do it is like when we did for like, what was it, like the the Kanazaka or the Monkey Bubble or the. the sure, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like oh, where we yeah. had Overwatch League players and streamers playing with contenders players and you had a yeah, max yeah. number and like it's an overwatch two style tournament where and you have streamers in there streaming their comms yes. people come and watch yes, it exactly yeah, no, that would be way, a great that, idea to me i feel like that's because there's no good option because at the end of the day the best option we can do is it's all going to be hype building there's nothing that we can do to terms of like fix people's frustrations for how long the game is it's going to take between that time we can't do anything about giving people access to the game except if we if Overwatch League has early builds Overwatch Two, the only way we can do it, give access to them is if we do competitive stuff to have people play it. That's it. Cool. That's the only way to do it. So to me, the only solution here in terms of dealing with this huge fucking colony ship size gap of like we're traveling <laughs> the cosmos, like we need to play tournaments. We need to play tournaments. We need to have people be able to participate, get their hands on the Overwatch Two beta build, at least be able to like play the game they're interested in and then as we get closer to release date like jaws said roll out drops start rolling out drops for the overwatch 2 release date mm. after that but other than that i have no other solutions because it's fucked i, so, I like your idea though i hadn't thought about that but i think that's a great idea yeah you need to reward people though like uh, hey like hey participate in the beta and you get this you know maybe there's yeah. like some kind of like give them the unique like cosmetics but something. we don't even know what the yeah. cosmetics are going to be you don't like think it's overwatch its own 2. reward being it. able to play overwatch 2 i think that is its own no, i think it's gonna be I, I think it's gonna like face out or fade out like incredibly fast like I, I think if you get your hands on overwatch 2 beta and that's going to be our overwatch league season and you get your hands on it and you maybe play it for like 
you know, a couple of weeks because it's a beta, right? Like they're, they're, yeah. it's not, it's not a complete game. Like you're just logging into a separate client and you're just like playing PVP on like a random map you load into. And it's probably going to be like quick play. And like, well, you don't get anything from that. Like I don't see, the, you, they you cannot need, you release Overwatch 2 with PVP only. That, that it's, that's not how you would market it. So we just get like a separate beta alpha client with like sure, no substance sure. to it. But, and I think but Jonathan, be, I, I wanted to ask you the question as well with with all of this, you know, copium flowing in the air. Do you think the beta version that Overwatch Overwatch League 2022 is going to be playing on will have all heroes and do you think it'll have new heroes? I don't think it maps? should have. I don't I don't think it should have. I think I think if you release Overwatch 2, yeah, sure, you'd want some of the default characters, like we have currently have in Overwatch 1. But you'd almost need to treat the Overwatch League season as like a marketing ploy to set up Overwatch 2 when that eventually gets released. So, hey, you know, we kick off stage 1 of the 2022 season, we got two new heroes we're unveiling for you, and you can log into the beta and maybe you can play this and play around with them. Next up, June Joust. We got two more heroes and maybe a new map. And like we're unveiling it as the season goes on. And you can get your own key on the stream, etc. You can get involved. And like we're gradually releasing more and more to the public. And if you watch the Overwatch League, you'll get like tidbits, you'll get some new information, and you'll be part of the unveiling of Overwatch 2 and what it will be, especially the PvP side. But like otherwise, if it's not that, then like I don't I don't like really want it i think it's going to be bad for the marketing of overwatch 2 like i'd rather just like stall off and play overwatch 1 because if we just get everything in some beta client and i i, I think that's going to be pretty poor marketing and i think people will you know not buy into the hype and i think they grow bored what about what about i i see a more i know that we've been talking about like best case scenarios here what I see as more realistic is that, yeah, a beta probably comes out at some point during the league and maybe some people have access to it. Maybe it's a close beta. But for the beginning of the year, I think the way that Jonathan's presented things is like a, an unveiling of the plans. Here's a new hero. You can't play it yet, but here's how it works. And maybe here's our pros playing it. Do you think that would annoy people or would that be effective marketing? If, for example, let's say Sojourn, because she's the first announced hero that would be coming out. You you know, the league kicks off and it's, it starts with Sojourn. You know, the league begins April. Sojourn is a playable character in this build. Everything is focused around that hero. Next, next patch, it's June Joust, and there's a different hero. Maybe the pros can't play on it, but, like, they unveil the new hero and show it to the world. No one can actually play it, but it's just... They're trickle releasing stuff over the course of next year. Yeah, I, would that I think get people that, hyped or would that get people's just annoyance raised because they can't? No, do I, it? I think if you did that, people would come back and they would continue to play the beta if there is a beta. They would continue to watch the Overwatch League stream because they'd want their invites. And even if they already have an invite, they'd continue to watch the Overwatch League to see the pros using those new heroes. Mm. So I, I, I think what you really want from this opportunity to play Overwatch 2 in the Overwatch League next season. You want to find get people invested and have them come back. You don't want them for like a singular instant that they release and be like, "Hey, here you can play this nine months in advance, a year I in advance." Really like, in advance. Idea. like I, I, I don't know what the, well, like how long it's going to be between the Overwatch two beta release or if it even is a beta. Like we don't even know. There might not oh, be yeah, a beta. We're, we're just speculating. Remember, like I, I don't know. Dude. We might never have a beta in twenty twenty two. But if that was the case, best case scenario, isolated out. I think a gradual unveiling of it would keep people invested in the league, both watching it 
and coming back and playing a potential client if there was mm. one. And I think that is what you want to build up. You want to gradually build up this player base, get people excited, and then you get the marketing snowball rolling. And then finally, when Overwatch 2 is released, whether it's late next year or 2023, you've already built up this snowball and that hype is just going to you know, collide with Overwatch 2 being released. And that's where you... We, we finally we get released into the heavens we finally make it we, you know we get all the gold all the sacks of gold we finally and we, bust. we've made it to the <laughs> promised land I, to... I actually really like johnny's idea in the way that you could sojourn especially say if there's the first tournament right in early next year you do the trailer again more gameplay footage of the pros then have sojourn available for that tournament and then maybe there's a beta, like Johnny said, with Sojourn available. Next tournament, it's the same thing, where they do a trailer, pros playing the hero, then they play the tournament with the hero, and then the beta build for that tournament that the viewers could tune in for, get keys for, whatever, um, that has Sojourn and, I don't know, character A, you know, and then it kind of trickles through and then kind of builds up. I actually really like that idea, because not only does it kind of help with the hype of the game and like building it up but it actually gives people a taste of the game throughout the year too a live service beta we made yeah it. yeah so live so service these, beta. these best case scenarios rely on there being some kind of beta that's available for people to play the developers being willing to showcase the game before it's ready for release in some cases a long time before it's ready for release up to nine months earlier and they're just generally being clear communication and marketing that's directed through the overwatch league three things that have <laughs> been a struggle throughout yeah, Overwatch's history. Yeah. But yeah. if they manage to, there is still some way of salvaging it. But yeah, the Copium Reserves are really fucking chugging on the fumes at the moment. I mean, Let the, 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 the Smash Glass, to, to wrap up, yeah. like the Smash Glass in case of emergency argument Copium is that like we had some natural growth this past year with the Overwatch League. But even so, like now you're just changing up the variables. It's like, okay, okay, motherfuckers. Now try to grow it naturally while playing on a game that people can't even play themselves. Like we just chopped off an arm of our accomplishments and now we're going to do it yeah. again. So yeah, uh, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll see. Hey, we, we grew we grew last year. Maybe we'll grow again this year. We'll see. Yep. yep. Who knows? Well, pass the pipe, brother. Um, let's head on to <laughs> let's talk about some Overwatch League news because it's still the off season. There's a lot of roster moves going on. Let's start with the London Spitfire. I don't think we've discussed them at all in this off season. One of the teams that is reportedly not splashing the cash, but they have made some pretty interesting signings. Uh, they have four new members now. Uh, off the top of my head, I believe this is Hardy coming back as main tank. Poco coming, well, I say main tank, coming back as tank. I still haven't fixed that in my vernacular. Uh, Poco coming <clears throat> to play tank with Christopher, who's the coach of the London Spitfire. And then they've got Backbone and Provide, um, who are DPS players. That uh, Sorry, Provide is a support player, but support uh, player, Backbone yeah. is a flex DPS player. So those are the four new members. I want to start with the tank. I want to start the tanks, I suppose, although only one of them can get played. Let's begin with Hardy. They re-signed Hardy as their one of their tanks. What do you think about this? Because this split the London Spitfire fans. Some of them were pretty big fans of him, and some of them thought that he was way under par last year. What do you think? I so I think it's I think it's a tough situation because I think people I remember at the end of Iris's debut for the Atlanta Reign. I was not incredibly impressed with Iris, but he was on high ping. This whole past season, Hardy was on high ping. And also, on top of that, was playing tank in a team that was not very good. Um, main tank at that. So, 
when I view it through that lens and when I've seen what he's done in Contenders and some of his mechanics he even debuted on the Overwatch League stage, in particular in like the final stage of stage four, there is some potential hope with like, okay, maybe with a different team environment on low, because also to, from all plans that have been said from like Nuki and other people is that they're hoping to get the London Spitfire team on low ping this next year. Mm. Um, I would bloody so, hope so. I hope most of next year is not happening yeah, online exactly. with people playing on 90 ping. So it, be it could change the narrative a bit around that and maybe there is more to show. But also when we remove all that, Hardy also looked abysmal last year at times. Yeah, it, it um, good. So he also, you correct know, me if I'm wrong here, but I, when I was watching him quite a lot, he looked like one of the problem factors for London. It, he, it's, all, he, he, it's always he difficult to analyze main tank gameplay within the system, but it definitely yeah. felt like the decision-making from the tanks was a big rough. problem it for them, rough. especially for the first three quarters of the year, which is a long time. Yeah, I mean, it's a downward spiral, right? Like, if you don't get the resources and the teamwork required, you, 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 you stop making good decisions and you start making bad decisions because your help isn't there and you just, like, go down a downward spiral. But I agree with you. Like, at, at times, like, he didn't look Overwatch League um, capable. But I think this is, like, a massive vouch because we had so many people always talk about how good Hardy was in contenders and you know like he was yeah. really going to be stepping up to the Overwatch League level and then he struggled early on and people were like no 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 like you know he'll figure it out that he'll be better and he never got better like quite frankly he like he was he was poor like the entire year so i think the fact that they re-signed him i'm like you know pretty down on it i'm like i wouldn't I wouldn't have gone through with this myself, but if, if you really go through with this, if you sign him once more, that's a massive vouch for that you truly believe that he could be uh, an overly capable but it's uh, also, tank. It's a vouch for a role no one knows what it's going to look like, right? And like also a, a vouch for a team that is clearly, from the looks of it, not, not necessarily changing their front office approach to Overwatch, where it appears a lot of teams, even the Vancouver Titans, are like, Okay, we're going big for Overwatch 2. On this Pitfire, like, we're going small for Overwatch 2. <laughs> so, like, you know, it's just, I do think that what it's, it's, it's kind of a flip. I think at its face value, though, no matter what, when you look at this signing, you shouldn't feel confident, in my personal opinion. You should feel like, you should feel like they're getting a second chance. They're getting a second chance to compete again on the main stage, and maybe with a low-ping environment, they will prove what they were showed in Tier two previously, and the circumstances around this team was not the best to enable them to succeed. But at the end of the day, you should not. I don't feel like objectively anyone should look at this signing and be like, "Pog Champ, the best main tank on the market has been signed for the London Spitfire." You know, yeah. it's simply a redemption or a chance for redemption here. I think for Hottie as a main. Yeah, tank. but I mean, like, how? Like, I agree with you. Like, how many weeks is it? Like, do do we do do we give Hardy? I'm like, okay, I'll, yeah. okay, you resign Hardy. Fine, you really want to like double down? I'll give you like three, four weeks to yeah. you know maybe see if something's changed or two. Maybe it adapts quickly, gets it going. You know, like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not like straight up just like giving up on it or straight up just like, yeah, um, yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> amazing, amazing. Uh, yeah. I'm not, yeah, yeah. I, I, I give, I give him another chance. You know, like I give him another yeah. chance. You got Christopher he coming tough, in. You know, he had new tough coach. Uh, so. you, got, you got new, new supports. Uh, I mean, one new support. 
like with the team, you know, maybe maybe he'll come back and like put on some good performances. But I don't have a ton of patience to like sit that, sit around and watch London Spitfire and break down how they have tons of potential. If I, I mean, see Hardy Hyper, you're in the Overwatch ecosystem, bro. You you have to have a ton of patience to be in the Overwatch ecosystem. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, come on. Now. That's true. That's true. That's just I feel like if I see, I'm gonna give them. I'm I'm putting an arbitrary timeline. I'm giving them. Based off their schedule, I'll give them like three, a couple weeks, right? And if I see if more than fifty percent of that time Hottie's hyper feeding on ball, then I'm writing it off because that's <laughs> what I watched. If, someone, if someone's like, "Oh, off. you guys are being so rude. You guys are being so mean to the Lone Spitfire. Like, oh, where's this coming from?" They went one in fifteen last season. Yeah, it was. They went one in fifteen, and they just re-signed the tank that was like, as we just agreed, like one of their, you know, a, a problem factor for them last year. So no, I don't denied, have a lot of patience the to sit around and watch well. Lone Spitfire with one in fifteen like last it. year. Yeah, yeah well, and they denied us the bread bowl. They, they denied us yeah. the bread bowl yeah. by winning. By beating the, the Titans in a map five. The and that's, bastards. by the way, the only team they beat last year was the Vancouver Titans, which were also abysmal. So, you know. Yeah. Wait, no, wasn't think... it Vancouver that denied the bread bowl? Because they already won a game before they headed into the game against oh, London. Oh, no, you're right. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Vancouver denied Sorry. the bread bowl, but still, the only team that Spitfire London won the bread bowl. was... Yeah. yeah, London technically won. won the Red Bull, and that was the their last game of the season and the only team they beat. And Connor's the got the trophy yeah. behind him right now, ready to present. Yeah, that that's it. That's the trophy oh over there. There's <laughs> the trophy. Um, I did say at the beginning of this offseason, I didn't want to comment on pretty much any tank signing because I feel like the role has changed so much. But I can't think of two more different tanks that you could sign to a team. Uh, the London Spitfire has not just re-signed Hardy, but they've signed legendary off-tank Poco, who has been playing the game for so, so long and has remained an excellent player the whole time, but didn't get to play last year. I, I still think he would have been a great off-tank last year. Yeah. He was he was an excellent player in 2020 uh, when Philadelphia Fusion were looking great. So there's no reason to suspect that he would have been bad in 2021. But again, I have no idea how good this guy's going to be if he has to play a range of what were formerly main tank picks and redesigned heroes and stuff as they head into Overwatch 2. So it, it's a very weird blend of... Like one really unproven former main tank player and one very proven veteran pure off tank player. Because I don't think Poco's... it also took a gap year essentially too, yeah. because he didn't yeah. play at in Overwatch League at all last year. He yeah. played in contenders. Dominate in European contenders. Yeah, he dom like, wouldn't yeah. play. They wouldn't play in European contenders, and we're fine. But like, you know, it's just like that's who cares, right? So yeah, I, I think I, it's a I, nice insurance policy, though. No, um, just. Obviously, we don't know what the role looks like in the in, in Overwatch 2 with all the changes and whatnot. But I think if you are London Spitfire, you're almost relying on Poco. If Hardy does end up yeah. not performing up to their expectations, they can go, well, I mean, we have Poco at least. We can rely on him. We can... I assume he can play a lot of the other tanks. Yes, he's uh, quite a legendary off-tank at this point, but the other tanks... They will play differently, but I'm sure Poco could definitely pick them up and learn them to an Overwatch League level and probably beyond a little bit too. And I think for London Spitfire and for the fans as well, they should be looking at Poco saying, okay, at least we have him if Hardy doesn't actually perform up to the expectations and follow this redemption arc that he's going to go on. Yeah, and I hope, um, you know, I hope with Overwatch 2 that we get to the point where um, you can play a lot of different styles. Like if you want to play, if you're chain doing, just want to play Wrecking Ball all the time, you can make that work in Overwatch 2. If you want to play like Orisa Reinhardt, you can make that work, play more defensive. Like that's the dream balancing, you know, that's, you know, very, very naive of me to think we're actually going to get it perfectly. But Poco would be like one of those reliable tanks in that scenario that like, hey, Lona Spitfire, we're just going to play like D.Va, Soria, Sigma, and we're going to like completely work around that as our 
play style as our idea of a team and poke would be like a perfect tank candidate in my opinion to like mm. um support some of their fantastic damage players in sparker and shacks right so it, it is a very solid signing um if overwatch 2 presents um that's sort of like game planning um, and allows them to put Poco in a consistent role to um, help the rest of his team. It also seems like from the, if people are going by the play test with, you know, the idea of there could be double flex support, a lot of people seem to be playing D.Va. Like D.Va seemed pretty viable in that initial yeah. test. So if, if you're assuming there aren't going to be too many changes, then maybe he is going to be super useful. Um, I was also just bringing up this uh, Reddit thread on competitive Overwatch where someone was um, uh, essentially putting a summary of what he said on stream after, after this announcement. Uh, where Poco uh, said on stream he had an offer from Paris Eternal at the beginning of the offseason to sign for the league minimum without going through tryouts. Uh, but he said he was confident to succeed through trials, so he didn't want to sign without assessing his options and also minimum salary. Um, and then Guangzhou and Boston were interested in Poco. Uh, the Gladiators Guangzhou, were interested really? too until Space re-signed. And then Paris and London <laughs> were the final teams that were, were interested. Um, he said he didn't really like the 5v5 Paris tryouts. And on the other hand, he likes London's coaching staff, presumably Christopher, who he's worked with before on the Philadelphia Fusion. Um, so, yeah, I thought this was a pretty interesting. Obviously, I, I, I'm just going by the Reddit summary there. I'm believing this Redditor in his summary of Poco's stream. Um, because I didn't watch the stream itself, but just some interesting little tidbits. And I like players being that candid about their offers once they've finished the offseason. I think it's really it's really interesting and just adds another layer. It's a layer really of, nice insight. Yeah. Because yeah. Guangzhou being interested in Poco. I mean, Poco, I think, was always going to get offers from various teams, but that is uh, out of left field for me. That's a, that's a bit I of I mean, odd. they've had a mixed roster before. They had the, they, yeah, they, they had, had yeah. They had Neptuno. That yeah. is very Neptuno. true. Yeah, they've had, they, they had Fraggy. Yeah, they've had yeah. Kim. Oh, they <laughs> had Fraggy. Fraggy. They did. They had Fraggy and fucking yeah, Bishu for like a match. Yeah, right? I mean, they definitely yeah. have rosters. So that's, not that crazy to me. And I feel like Charge has been throwing everything to like figure out their roster direction. Like surely yeah. earlier in the offseason, they were like, what the, like, I probably, they didn't know. I think this is more, Poco signing is A, good for the Spitfire because it's a good player, but also more of an indication of like it's an also good pickup they managed to find christopher because it gives confidence in veteran players yeah like poco that didn't necessarily have a ton of options in the offseason uh they would be confident at least going to that team so i think christopher being there is like good was probably the main reason that poco went to spitfire i would imagine so yeah so outside of the tanks then uh, I want to address the DPS player next, which is Backbone, a player that's been playing in uh, EU Contenders for quite a while. Um, I, I watched his VODs last season. I can't remember why, because he didn't get signed last season, and I normally only watch the, the VODs of people that got signed. But um, I, he was probably playing with some of the people that, that got picked up. Um, but I can't, I can't exactly remember who it was. Sheer Cold? Yeah, it's but I can't remember who got signed from Sheer Cold last year because I was watching Sheer Cold VODs in the offseason uh, leading into 2021. Who was playing for Sheer Cold? I can't remember. In 2020? In 2020, Sheer yeah. Cold had... It definitely uh, had... They it didn't was have probably... anyone that got signed. As far really? as I'm aware, I'm looking through Wait, it. Wait, they had... No, they had... I swear um... they had someone. Oh, no. No? No? Am I, off the... Am I off my trolley? Maybe I was just watching their VODs because they were playing against people that got signed then. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, this guy maybe. seemed pretty decent. Um, oh, there was asking... I should say asking came from sheer cold technically, but he, that wasn't, he was with them in 2021 yeah. though. So I don't think that's even the okay. case. So I have no idea. 
Well, maybe maybe I'm misremembering then. Um, but I did watch a, a couple of odds of this guy. He seemed pretty talented. He seemed like a, a decent pickup if you wanted to dip into EU contenders' um, players. Uh, I think he's been one of if one of the top flex DPS picks um, from EU contenders for a while. There have been other players as well that have been, you know, either his uh, that he was competing against last year or competing against this year that um, uh, are also viable candidates, but. This seems like a no-brainer for a London Spitfire team that wants to bolster up some more um, EU talent and some more British talent as well. Because he's British, right? Backbone? Woo! Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He's so. a pretty decent player, it looks like. I'm, I, I've seen some gameplay of him. I think he's pretty decent. I think he's got... He, he has room to grow. He's, he's a lot of room to grow. I think it's his first like real Tier 1 experience, obviously. He's not obviously a rookie. Um... So a lot, a lot of room to go for this player, I'd say. It's kind of rem very reminiscent of like just a, you know, what we're looking at is we're looking at European contenders players that have not had a lot of major stage time at all, and they mostly could find their region. So it's going to be a trial by fire, I think. I think the, I think it's kind of just hoping that they can grow into something better. Um, personally, I do think he's a pretty, I do think he's a pretty solid flex DPS, but. <laughs> Um, I wasn't particularly, I didn't really think they were like going to be the next Kevster or anything like that. Right. You know, like not someone that's going to blow us out of the water by any means. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I think he's going to be benched in favor of, uh, Sparker for the most time, um, until like they need like a double flex kind of thing, um, for this team, because I think they'll play Sparker and Shax for, you know, the most part, um, of their overall yeah. league experience. And then you have backbone on the bench, sort of like a flex hybrid, um, I suppose, like instead of playing hit scan, he hybrid as in like the player hybrid who played for London this past season. Uh, the backbone you can know, can sub him in if you need to, if you need two flex players. Um, but it, it's you know, London Spitfire is a weird team to talk about this off season because we hyped them up so much going into last year and like how good they were in contenders, you know, British Hurricane and all that, and they just like fell flat in the Overwatch League, and now they're kind of like doing the same thing, but instead of like a complete team bringing up the British Hurricane. Um, you know, they're picking up individual pieces, including Provide, which we'll talk about next, even though that was an A. Um, but um, you, you're picking up these individual players, and like even Paris Eternal, even though we praised their success this past year, like there's not a ton of like, you know, hurrahs and celebrations to make about these players being promoted and like how good they were in the league. So I, I think it's a bit of a wait and see. You know, see I think Backbone, Backbone has more of a the fit in this team than that, though, because he does play like he does play more of the traditional flex characters that Sparker doesn't play. Like he plays like Echo and things like that, which we haven't really seen Sparker play. Um, so he has more of a role in terms of like outside of just double flex DPS, because I don't think Sparker has played all the projectile heroes that Backbone has. But he could. That's like how I. He could. I mean, maybe, I, maybe, yeah. I, I, they want. But also when I've when you've seen Sh I think also the same thing goes for Shax where it's like he's amazing at Tracer, he's pretty good at some stuff. His hero pool has still it seems like his hero pool is still a little untested at points when I look at Shax. Yeah. Definitely. Um. So I feel like when I look at this roster, it's a little bit more up in the air of where Backbone fits, especially considering his current hero. Pool. Sure. I I just see Sparker like I envision him becoming like a Pelican kind of level that can play most heroes or like uh you know like you said like a kevster like i i think kevster bold. or sparker no not maybe like a none of that level but like the hero pool like in terms of like what he can do for the long spitfire i yeah, i like think an actual hyper -flex could grow player. into that role yeah yeah possibly uh i i think 
I think he's going to be tapped just by the the ceiling of this team in general, though. Because no sure. matter, I mean, if you're looking at the off season overall, London Spitfire have got to be up there for your pick of like potentially bottom three again, something like that. Granted, we haven't yeah. seen like any. Uh, there's still a lot of teams that are not finished, and we don't know. So we don't really, we're not totally certain of where they're going to stay yet. But it's not of the teams moves we've seen so far. It hasn't looked like the strongest. The fuck is that tweet that's just come up tagging me in the bottom one, uh, the the top of that contenders vod? <laughs> what? I think Smex has really leveled up at protecting his backline because of all the practice he's had, rescuing Saija from bears and defending their raft from birds. Dominated, <laughs> dominated on contender stream. <laughs> Ratioed on the contender stream, unlucky. April 2nd. I'm Amazing. getting rolled for my raft gameplay in a contenders broadcast should. I didn't watch in April. Okay, as you right. should. Free clout, no worries. Tune into twitch.tv slash sideshow to watch me play Valheim, I guess. Okay, raft. bro. <laughs> um, yeah, get saved. Yeah, uh, the... Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, well, let's talk about the final player as well then. So the, the final player that the uh, London Spitfire have picked up in this offseason uh, is their first support player that they've added to the team. It's Provide, who previously went by the name Slur, who previously went by the name Ruxmus or something like that, and who was originally going to be picked up last season, I believe, or maybe it was the season before, I can't quite remember, um, for the... Oh, it's, it must it have was been the supposed season to, before. It was a season before because 2019, the... Right? Yeah, season before, yes, yeah. yeah. Season 2019 before, yeah. Valiant, he was going to be picked up yes. and then he got dropped. I don't know whether the league failed to approve his contract or whether the Valiant themselves just realized that he'd had screenshots everywhere of him saying horribly racist shit. And not just in the way that like an edgy 14-year-old might say it in some modern warfare lobby, which again is still not tolerated and shouldn't be but this was like targeted to people um and pretty vile too yeah beyond in, just incredibly yeah. vile uh, not just racist stuff just like actual spewing of hatred um and that was back in 2018 so when you're thinking about the la valiant signing him that was one year later at this point we're three years on and this signing has Certainly split a wedge. I, I mean, it's not the biggest signing in the world, so it's not like everyone's talking about it, but anyone who's weighed in on the topic has been split down the lines of, we should give people like this another chance. And people saying, fuck off, get them out of here. Why are you, why are you enabling them to... Why are you saying that that's acceptable if you just go quiet for a couple of years and then try and get back into a position of not just privilege, but also uh, like being put up on a pedestal where people look up to you and, uh, and are fans of you and stuff as well. So, uh, what, what do you... I know that Nookie, the GM of... I think she's the GM, right? Of the London she Spitfire. The yeah. Um, said, put out a tweet saying she believes people can change. She believes in second chances. Presumably that's why she picked up Hattie again as well. Uh, but this is a very different kind of second chance for, uh, for somebody like Provide. It's... It's your, you're assuming that he's had the growth from the age of 20 to 23, that he no longer attacks people online spewing racist and vitriolic shit at them just for fun. Yeah, I think, I think also when you talked about, you brought the point of an edgy 14 year old, like that's the thing. This guy was not 14. He was 20. <laughs> he was 20 when all this controversy happened. And I think being 20, you should probably know not to say that stuff. Because it's one thing if it's like, there are definitely ex-pros in the past that have been, you know, 20, or 20 years older that have made like distasteful jokes, you know? 
this was not jokes. <laughs> they did not read when you when you go back and look at the imagery and the text logs. It was never jokes. It was like the type of stuff that is clearly not ever meant to be funny. It's just supposed to be hurtful. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And you're 20 years old, and so when I look at it, it's like, I think, I do think because I have known people at, growing up in the South of the U.S. I have known people that have been also have had really deplorable slash ignorant views and said ig very ignorant, awful stuff. And in the span of a couple years, they realized how awful they were being. But also they weren't public figures with their life being analyzed and like supposed to be brand models um, that you're going to come back. And also at the end of the day, I don't expect anyone that they ever treated that way should ever expect to forgive them. Nor should anyone that with this provide signing, should anyone have to forgive provide for what he said? is my view because I think one Spitfire made a terrible PR move here. I think no fan should ever be expected to forgive him or expect him to be a good person after what he said as an adult, a very of age adult. And <coughs> it's an overall kind of like dumb move. Now could provide be a great, is provide a pretty talented player from what it seems like. Yeah. Was it worth this signing? And like, could like, and also, what I mean, how is anyone supposed to know he's changed? He hasn't said shit. He hasn't like he's made a he's made a Twitter post. Like, I think overall, what we're splitting down the middle is like, well, should people never be able to redeem themselves? Right? Is kind of like that's the moral argument that's being put forward here. Is like, well, it's been three years ago when he was still pretty young, and like, should no one ever be able to be allowed to change? And I think yes, people should be allowed to change and live their life, but it doesn't mean you have to be an Overwatch League player. You know, um, is the general rule of thumb. But also, uh, like, yeah, like maybe you can't change, but then you'll have to prove it. Like, yeah, it's you up to you. It. It's like your, it's like you put yourself in this mess, and now it's your, like, you have to prove that you're you're actually changed and you believe other things. Whether it's like going through, you know, societal actions and like, um, you know, different initiatives, charities, that kind of stuff, and really like making that known to the public. Because it, 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 even like, if the argument is like hey, he shouldn't have to go through all of that to, like, you know, earn himself a chance in the league. I, I kind of think, like, yes, that like, that's, like, part of you getting opportunity to, like, play in the league and, like, people um, accepting you and welcoming you and rooting for you and cheering for you. Like, you put yourself in a mess, and now you have to clarify that. Now, supposedly, he has taken some actions um, using, like, his social media and whatever to, like, um, try to go through that, especially like during the Black Lives Matter drama uh, that happened in 2020 and that whole um, societal thing that happened in the United States during COVID. Um, like apparently he did do some contributions and tried to be part of that. I don't know to what extent because I haven't personally like investigated to that capacity. But I absolutely think that like if you're divided and torn on this topic and you know you as a fan or a listener of the show or like where you feel like you personally aren't able to support that, I think that's a perfect, perfectly capable like stance to. Uh, a, legit, a legitimate stance, I should uh, say, to have when it comes to this. Um, I wouldn't have signed Provide based on his uh, prior statements. I, I think it was a pretty bad move by the Long Spitfire. But if 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 you're if you're if you're now saying that it's like he's a he's a changed person and like the, he's different now and like he's gone through all this, then you have to prove it. It's up to you as an organization and as a player to actually prove that and prove that you've changed and you have different views now and you're not doing it anymore because other people coming in and vouching for you saying like, Oh, he was like the greatest teammates. I love playing with him. Like he's so caring. He takes care of it. It's like, no, that has nothing to do with it because that's not the same environment whatsoever to compare to someone like where he would actually use some of these slurs or say some of this stuff. So 
I, I think it's a very like dividing subject. Um, and I, I think it's up to the Lono Spitfire and provide himself now. It's like, okay, you're going to be in the league. You're going to play here. You're going to have people like look up to you, be fans of you. Um, and you're going to be part of this whole thing we've built up. It's up to you to do your work to represent this league and represent your team and represent yourself and everyone watching um, in, in, in a very acceptable way. Um, because otherwise, there's no need for you. We don't need you here. Um, and I, I definitely think to some degree he has to buy into that if he wants to be part of this. Well, yeah, also, I would have no problem with him, by the way, if it was just like, like I said, like maybe some edgy jokes when he was younger, even like 20, when he was the same age, 20, you're like said some like slightly edgy humor, right? Because sure, you're being insensitive, but there's room to go from there. There's plenty of room to be like, okay, like he was young and stupid and like maybe wasn't as culturally, you know, sensitive as he should have been. And it was bad and it was ill-informed, but it's redeemable still. But his language was not jokes. His language was very, very targeted racist stuff yeah which to me as an adult with the intent to with the intent to harm and to attack hurtful. people yeah yeah and uh, yeah it's so. it's a very different like game it you is, know like i is. would not be up i would really i would be like okay like it's a it's an interesting move but like there's room to grow there for, for this it's it was extreme enough to where i have i feel very not i feel very a, a little disappointed in the signing um honestly but it was three years ago. I have known people that have also been very, very ignorant in their lives that have turned it around after many years. But the difference was they weren't under a microscope and they weren't trying to be a public figure and expect everyone to welcome them in, you know, under this. It's like, and sometimes... And it is a public-facing job. It's a public-facing yeah, public job with job. different yeah. expectations. So you have to be aware yeah. of that. Um, I want to move on here as well to a, uh, a Halo report, which was that MCD is getting signed by Boston. So Boston Uprising uh, already have... Um, Ba, 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 who the f they have somebody else in flex support at the moment as well that I can't remember off the top of my head. Well, they who still they they're supposedly holding on they to still... faith and Crimzo. Crimzo, that's the one. Thank you. Um, yeah. So they have faith and Crimzo in the backline already, and then Halos reported that uh, MCD is reportedly being signed as well. Um, MCD most recently was cut from. I think he was like a cut or benched from the Spark in their playoffs. He was released. Run. Yeah, he was right, released fully released. Him. Yeah. Uh, because of comments he'd made attacking uh, attacking Chinese players that he was playing with in ranked, and like some owl pros came out saying that he'd been racist towards them as well, and and he'd been actively again abusive to them on the basis of their nationality. So cool. There's just uh, just Boston dipping into it as well. It does feel like yeah. there's enough people that we would be able to have more severe consequences for that kind of behavior. No. I feel like I'm. I feel like that's not an out there statement. That there's enough flex support talent available that you could have larger consequences. Of I'm going to give this guy a pass, and it might even make sense for somebody like Boston because of the PR. Yeah, and Boston still have faith in Crimzo. Seems like a bit of a weird pickup. He <laughs> like they still have two very good players. I'm not sure why they'd be picking up MCD. Just going on the circumstances and the PR. I mean. Yeah, I guess he's just a backup uh, double flex support. He player, is a right? good player, is the thing. MCD is, is a good player. He's a good player. He is a good player. And no one's doubting. No one's shit. saying. Yeah. No one's saying but, yeah. MCD or even provide are bad players. They just yeah. have done some extremely shitty stuff. Well, MCD as that's the thing. MCD's was like recent too. Literally this past season, it happened. Yeah. And yeah. also from a business perspective, it's very interesting to me because of the fact that like he specifically insulted the the largest market 
specifically China and Chinese people and his rants on a Chinese organization. There's a very different thing between insulting China and the way it does its politics and stuff stuff like that. Insulting Chinese people and players for being Chinese. That is... That's, there's a massive difference between the two of them. You're not. Now he, we, uh, he's not. Yeah. He's not providing a written critique of, of the Chinese political party. He's yeah. he's attacking and harassing players that he plays with for being born there, for having to be spawned on that section of the map. Yeah, spawned, spawned on that on section of the map. I'm spawned putting it in gamer lingo the so the gamers yeah, can understand to not use now their the, own gamer lingo. Racism. The, We're gonna use this, gaming terminology. <laughs> Yeah, this is a very weird pick. Like, why would Boston even attempt to go through this PR? Although, again, still a rumor. Might not still even a rumor, be the official. actual truth. It, so it, I mean, it may not we'll happen as well. These kind of yeah. these kind of reports. I mean, sometimes, cynically speaking, as well. Sometimes the person, sometimes the organization, the organizations do this in traditional sports. If they're thinking of picking up a controversial player, they'll leak it to a journalist first. I'm not saying this happened in this instance, but Boston might deliberately leak something like this to somebody, get it out there into the world, see what the like, see what the the waters like, see if it's too hot to tread into, and then drop the yeah. guy if there's if there's too much controversy that flares up about it. And if no one really gives a fuck, they'll be like, all right, it's safe, let's go for it. So, you know, it does benefit the organizations to have these kind of reports and rumors circulate, circulate, circulate before they sign. It just, it just feels unnecessary. Like, I'm completely indifferent to Boston Uprising and their projections next year based on the signing. Like, I, I, like does, the, does, this, does, does this, like, tickle your fancy? Like, I just don't really care. I, I, I just, think it's, it's just, I think it's just a straight up bad PR move, especially. So I understand that people have been doing the double flex support thing recently. I just not even sure it's worth it at this point, especially as you're like Connor said, you're insulting like a quite large majority of the market for for the, for the actual game and playing the game and watching the game and stuff. Like, why would you even think to sign a player that has said these things? I'm yeah, I'm In surprised the league was like cool with it too. Yeah, because it's like also once true. again, it's like this well, is are the. They? the the, well, I mean, if it I happens, believe, if it happens, everything is still pending yeah. league approval. Sure. That's the same yeah. case. If, exactly. if, if, if this would happen, it yeah. would be shocking to me. The league's cool with it because it's like once again, it's very clear that China is very invested in the Overwatch League, and we don't want someone that is insulting Chinese people in the league. <laughs> like, <laughs> what, it's like, very, like we don't like that's just it's a silly economic decision too. Besides that, but fair, also, it, I mean, people could change, right? But do they? Do, if yeah. they can change, do they have to immediately play in the year, the league the next year, or even Probably be in the not. league at all? Do you have the, being a player is a privilege? You don't have to. Not everyone is allowed. Like when you fuck up, you don't get to keep your dream all the time. Like that's just life. Yeah. You don't get to keep living your dream when you fuck up. That's not how it works. You can still go. I still think you should go live another life outside of it. I think you should be allowed to go live your life outside and do other. You can stuff, become a carpenter. You could go all do there's a million other jobs, but you don't have to be a player anymore. It just doesn't have to be that way, but whatever, you know? Yeah. I think if it did end up getting to the league and they're like, oh, wanting to sign it, we'll go through the process of signing it, whatever. I, I have a good feeling that pending league approval might be declined. One of the only times it has been declined because of that very reason and because it is so recent as well. I Yeah, people can change, definitely. We just talked about this for, for a little bit now, but so I, recently... Yeah. Like, I think it's also something that the league would more likely, if they were going to do anything, impose like a multi-match ban onto him or something. Sure. And at that point, sure. that has happened before in the past where um, a player has been signed pending league approval 
and then they go to the league and they say, okay, we want to have this guy. And they say, all right, well, you can sign him, but he'll serve a 20 match. Well, maybe not 20. I don't know whether that's happened, but like, you know, five, 15, whatever match ban. And they're like, actually, we don't want to sign him anymore. <laughs> like that's happened before as well um, within the history of the league. So well, the that, that's also boosting rings and whatnot. That's the most recent time that's happened. Yes, which I mean, they... <laughs> Well, we will. Let's not get into that as well, because that's a total different a conversation. Yeah, let's 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 move on to talking about the San Francisco Shock, because the San Francisco Shock has grabbed uh, Sanine Mumma, uh, the nine, nine <laughs> millimeter <laughs> Sam, nine yeah, millimeter that's, Sam. That's going to be easy to say on broadcast. Yeah, for for uh, Overwatch League 2022, this guy's a pretty talented uh, flex DPS player that's coming in, um, which really rounds out the Shock. I I saw a lot of people saying. Would this guy ever get playtime over proper? But I don't think that's the right way of thinking about it. I think the way of thinking about it is that he would be played alongside proper in metas in which that made sense. I don't think he's going to be a full time like he is the starter. The, with the with the DPS core that the shock has, I mean proper's just in all time, and then you work oh, the yeah. others around him. Yeah, yeah, makes the most sense. Seems like a very promising player. Uh, just looking at his resume, like. First place contenders multiple times on uh, various different teams, American Tornado, Red Bud Esports, like, seems like a very good player. And hey, it's someone else that can play flex. Like, we talk about it a lot, but flex support, uh, flex DPS players, they haven't got the highest number of players, uh, especially that are eligible or, or can be considered <coughs> to be picked up by Overwatch League teams. So yeah, pretty pretty excited about that, uh, especially going into a San Francisco shot with the coaching structure it does have. You can imagine that this guy is going to um, grow an absolute ton on this team, especially surrounded by a lot of very veteran talent and the face of the league, you know? Well, that, actually, um, that's an important point, though, because too. they actually don't have that much veteran talent anymore. If you consider... I mean, Proper's been playing for a long time, but then so have Sam. I mean, so has Sam for a really reasonably decent time. But if you're talking about Overwatch yeah, sure. League veterans, they only have Violet and Super. Super and, Violet, and then they've added... Yeah. They've got Proper, Kilo, Sam, and Finn, who are all coming in as rookies this year. That's... There isn't the the system is very veteran that they would be coming into with Krusty and Nine K and Violet and Super, but there's not that many players there that have got a huge amount of pedigree, or at least within Overwatch League. Yeah, they, they yeah, it's gonna be very interesting to see who else they pick up on this roster. I'm expecting you know a main support to be added here, maybe even another tank, but like this is a pretty hecking stacked roster like going into next year now with tons of young promising talent um so i mean we'll, we'll see if they're like amazing like straight off the bat you know promoting some of these contenders talent to play alongside super violet or if there's like a phase where you know they'll have to get together work on team chemistry all of that stuff um you know um bringing in sam from north american contenders and then you bring in finn and kilo and proper as well like it's going to be a you know a bit of a clash there as well and getting everyone up to speed so we'll see what happens but roster is looking hella stacked Looking yeah. good. Yeah. I it think it's pretty solid. Um, but we'll have to see. I, like, maybe we'll decide two more players. You know? I, I think oh. Sam, which I believe is the correct way of saying it. I think Sam is... Yeah, uh, to me, I was really, really impressed with his... With some of his counterparts. In particular, I think his Echo is really good. I'm... I'm not quite sure how I feel about him on like other heroes. Like I know he has another he has other obviously more heroes in his hero pool and he has shown like proficiency on that in contenders, but 
for my own personal judgment, I, I like his echo and everything else. I'm kind of like, mm, I'm not sure how he was going to fit in just yet, but he does. He's obviously had a lot of uh, experience at the top of contenders. So, and I think with the system that shock is building with um, crusty and now nine K returning, um, it's going to be a potentially a very good system for him to grow, to meet his full potential. Uh, so I, uh, I'm kind of actually mixed on the move just because I'm unsure about all of his other heroes, even though I know he has a, a relatively deeper hero pool than just Echo. I feel like his Echo is very good, though. I, I um, think from like a front office standpoint, like if you're the general manager of the San Francisco Shock, I think it's an incredible flyer just, just to like sign Sam onto this squad because you know he got Proper and Kilo already that are going to be like great by all accounts, but you know they don't, they, they have different hero pools that'll mostly be able to play all the heroes required, um, you know, very vast. So, but you can bring in Sam as well if you need like a double flex kind of meta. He's a young talent. He could become like one of the best North American players, uh, you know, to play the game, like be in the Overwatch League. But you're not necessarily like relying on him every single game to yeah, come in yeah. and have like superstar performances. I think it's a great signing. I, I think it's a great flyer from the San Francisco Shock Office. Yeah, catch him. It was rumored he was going to go to Vancouver Titans instead. You pick him up. Now you can keep him on the bench, develop him, see what comes of him. Um, I, th I think he has tons of potential here to develop into like a great talent. Uh, we've also got some uh, coaching changes from the Seoul Dynasty that I wanted to talk about because I, I find this to be really interesting. Uh, the Seoul coaching staff has been uh, a topic of much discussion on this show as they their roster has been hurtling through various peaks and troughs in form and other things. They actually managed to do a pretty good job of it this season of keeping co that consistency, though they weren't able to hit the same peaks. And now they've announced Toby as head coach, which I think is really interesting to see a player that has been a, a, just a, a landmark of top main support play throughout the game. He's one of the oldest main supports we currently, or had, I suppose, playing. I can't think of somebody that's been around for longer than Toby, honestly, because he's been there since the very early Apex days as a main support player. That's currently active or yeah. like in the scene? Yeah, you know, but, you know. He's not really in the scene at this yeah. point now, right? Yeah. You have to think of people that are currently in the scene because he's not playing anymore, right? Because he's a head coach. Sure. So. Bass is kind of in the scene, but he's not playing anymore. Custer, yeah. he's in the <laughs> scene. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, but he is, either way, he's been around for a long, 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 long time. He's seen various different uh, metas develop, the games evolved, and he was still playing at a pretty top level when, uh, at this point, him making his move into coaching. So he's been joined by uh, Wizard Hyong, and then they also have, uh, who else? I they mean, they're all, well? they're all returning coaching staff, I believe. Right. It's like MMA, or I think it's like, M I care. yeah, MMA yeah. and Bongu. Uh, right. And they're... Um, all returning. So it's just like assistant coaches, analysts, and Wizard Young has now moved a slight, into a slightly different role, though, where like before he was like an assistant coach or something. Now he is the head of strategy. Yep. Amazing. Head of strategy. And Toby's so, that's a know, Wizard Young title. I, if I've ever I seen like it. Toby as head coach, but Wizard Young, head of strategy. Don't know how I feel about that. We'll, Dude, we'll he never that finished coach, that but... YouTube series. Remember that YouTube series? The <laughs> Did he not turning... finish it? I, did he only release one episode? No, no, no. There was definitely I, a second episode because one of the people, 
that was on the show messaged me and gave me a second episode. For people who have no idea what oh, we're talking really? about, Wizard Hyung was like made a YouTube series called like Wizard Hyung yeah. and the Chosen Ten or something weird like that. Dude, that the premise of that series was sick. And it was like, like he was he was getting players from cool. all over the world and various different very SRs, cool. and he was seeing how much he could coach them to be better yeah. in the game. And it was present it was actually edited incredibly well and uh, put together like a reality TV series. It was pretty cool, but I only watched the first episode and then. The, yeah, the first the episode was went. very good. The 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 cinematography and that was just unreal. And I'm kind of disappointed. It, uh, why does this always happen to like good YouTube series where they make one sick episode and then fucking disappears? Off yeah, because the they're hoping that it'll get much larger viewership and then it doesn't, and then it can't justify the costs and you axe the project. You know, uh, that's the, yeah, that's the classic. That's an esports classic. That's the classic. Yeah, that's an esports really classic. Is. And also, or on top of that, like. The, the viewership is okay, but because of the overall time and everything else, it's still not worth it because it just yeah. requires so much time. To, to be fair, it, it especially the editing of this, like it probably took a long time uh, yeah. to do. So yeah, pretty reasonable if that was the that was the decision. It says on his Wikipedia, by the way, too, uh, data coach as well, head of strategy and data. Yeah, his head of coach, strategy and data, which has always been something that Wizards done. He was That's actually one of the original... Yeah data-based analyst for overwatch in terms of like how famously he used it and i mean famously as well he had like overwatch. five people who would collect yeah. data by watching he didn't use like vod scrubbers he used nope. humans as vod he used scrubbers. data, humans he used vod data scrubbers. surfs and they would go in and they would all individually collect the data like that was before we had any tools so he would literally have them count like this guy would shoot this many shots and then divide by the number of times they saw it hit and like determine the accuracy of someone. Like he would literally do all these calculations by hand and by eye, not him himself, but these data surfs that he had out tilling the fields of data. <laughs> I hated all this that stuff. story arc. I, yeah. That, <laughs> oh my God. The story like, continues. Was like, I was there in the Overwatch League as well when it happened. It was like a big thing. It was like, hey, you know, an opportunity to like highlight a coach, a coaching member. You know, we don't yeah, have a lot of coaches. Or like a big, like, fuck, man. Like, I can't believe it. it put so much emphasis on Wizard Young and his geniusness and then Washington Justice. And <laughs> I mean, the best part <laughs> oh, about all that God. is that he's still... And then, too, the best part about all this to me, the Wizard... We haven't even really discussed the news, but I just had to go on to this still. It's like, so the best part about the, the Wizard arc is like genius, justice... Then goes back to a team that has been plagued with coaching issues, <laughs> Soul. <laughs> and so he's still with Soul too after yeah. all this time. And like now, granted, he's no longer like a head coach or like he's just an analyst. So that's he's head, of like his role. head of data, head of strategy. That's more of his role. I'm assuming strategy. head of strategy just informs like I'm sure that he's going to be making suggestions and stuff on like terms of like strategic stuff. But it sounds like since they included data with that, it's just like an analyst role that has a fancier title. Um, alongside that, bro. So, if you if you ask for your title to be head of strategy, and then the strategy of the team is dog, you can bet your ass people are blaming you. I'm gonna yeah. blame. I'm yeah. gonna. I mean, but if, yeah. I mean, if you have a title he, called head of strategy yeah. and sole strategy next year is bad, I'm gonna look at Wizard Young. I'm gonna. But he I'm was already look, he was already an Toby. assistant coach this past year too. When Soul had some weird shit going on, he was already an assistant coach and like an analyst with them, you know. So like he yeah. was already been directly influencing Soul's decisions. Just they brought him back and they gave him a uh, they gave him a fancy corner office. So, <laughs> what do you think about Toby as head coach of us? You're the you're the major Toby simp. Are you sad he's not continuing to simp. play? I am sad actually. I do think he had career left, but I think there was if there was any time to swap out of your player career, it'd probably be now. It's it when it definitely seems like it towards the end of the life cycle i do think he could have continued to pete i legitimately think he's was pretty good still 
Um, the most balanced main support player ever, aside from like really only rivaled by Moth in terms of like how balanced the overall play was. Um, and uh, I am mixed. So there was some controversy, right? Because Gravy got signed as a head coach for Mayhem. Or not a head coach, as in a coach in general. And everyone lost their head fucking minds. Head of strategy, minds. right? Head of strategy. Yeah, not, no, no, just an assistant coach. Just an assistant coach. Maybe head of strategy of pissing people online off. That's what he yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to end no, the sentence of Not pissing. head of pissing. No, head of pissing <laughs> people online off. Um, and it caused a lot of controversy. Then the Toby moves happened. And, and then I think, to me, a player becoming a head coach immediately without any previous coaching experience is a dangerous move. An extremely dangerous move. Uh, because that's the biggest thing for me. I think Toby going to an assistant coach role would have made perfect sense for me. Head coach seems a little odd. Well, now, it could be a perfect fit. But... I would imagine that Toby then is in charge of more um, more of the holistic approach to how the team in, and the players move forward, whereas the, here's, here's how I would imagine it. Basically, the people who are already running the shop continue to run the shop from the assistant coach position. And then Toby is directing any, any shifts in like, how much do we, uh, how much do we practice? What amount are we doing in this? What's our general game plan for approaching 5v5 and like yeah. discussing with the team for very possible. that kind of stuff. Very possible. It's still bad for MMA a little bit though, no? Like Toby just swoops in. MMA has been assistant coach for a long time now. And it's just like, well, hang on. Toby has arrived. Yeah. And it's I mean, like, maybe, oh, I mean, maybe it. it's it's just the, the problems of like what coach of how little of how opaque coaching is in terms of looking from the outside, because yeah. you don't really know what every coach's exact role is. Yeah. Other than True. like rumor mill. I mean, and, like hearing from people like you have no idea a ton what of analysts too. So, yeah, yeah I, like some head coaches are super involved with the strategy and the analytics and all yeah. of that stuff. But that's normally when the coaching roster is quite small. This coaching roster is pretty big, so I imagine his job's uh, much more. But we don't picture. know. It could it could yeah, be he could be very involved. Some coaches are really heavily involved with team leadership. Some aren't. Like sometimes your assistant coaches are the one-on-one player coaches. Like it's really just depending on the individual system that we're in. So as a rule of thumb, though, I don't necessarily love Toby being a head coach with his first coaching experience. But I mean, you're going into a new game. Toby has a ton of experience. He's been widely regarded as a very well-respected player. So he's going to have the respect of the players on the team. He's going to, he has a very cool head. It's apparently very responsible and things like that. So like he has the personality types to be a coach. Um, so it's an experiment. I think it's an experiment, but I think it just goes to show you that most importantly, if you want to be, if you want your announcements to go well, just if you, if you just don't piss people off, they'll, they'll like you with your new positions more. <laughs> so gravy, this one's for you, gravy, who I'll see in the office soonish at some point, but like, yeah, people are just mad at you because you pissed them off. And so the most <laughs> important thing is just make people happy and people won't fucking hate you. And that's I'm, like, I'm, 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 I'm going to stack. I'm going to take it one step further. I love this signing. I think it's a great signing for the soul dynasty to promote Toby to head coach. And it's not at all comparable to my gravy. Getting becoming like a if he were to become a, like a head coach of a team or in this case, well, you know, coach for for the Mayhem. Like I think Toby, he's been around for the longest time since the start of Overwatch. He's a veteran of the sport. By all accounts, he's been like well, 
by, by literally all accounts. He spent very successful, especially at the start of the game, won multiple Apex titles, was part of the Overwatch League, Seoul Dynasty, still to this day, really good at the game, and he proved that on the Philadelphia Fusion. Super successful, plays the main support role, leadership skills, all of that. He's been part of so many successful organizations and part of so much winning and so many different like winning cultures that he's had experience in that regard. Also, he's 27. McGreevy is 24. I do think age plays a part when it comes to like getting respect from your players, especially in Korea that puts large emphasis on age to this day. And example, if you talk to someone from Korea, they'll talk about how, you know, um, Joss, you actually have like experience with the Korean culture and how like you know you you you, you greet uh, older people differently compared to younger people. There are different uh, kind of um, I'm not finding the correct word, but like there are different um, ways to like different gestures and different greetings, um, different ways you like sit around the dinner table, all that, that stuff. Yeah, it's like and it's disrespecting still... your elders, basically. Yeah, the... and it's still present to this day, even though, you know, like some North American or European kid could be like, oh, well, that's so ancient and so like old school of you. Like, it's still present in this day in Korean culture. So I definitely think that aids Toby's chances of becoming a successful head coach here and winning over his players. The fact that he is a veteran, he's had massive success in the Overwatch scene, and he is an older figure now stepping in. So even though he's 27, like, some of these kids are, like, 20. They're, like, 21. Like, they, they you know, they're still kids compared to Toby in that regard. So I still, he can garner that, that um, respect from those players, while at the same time, having so much success and uh, so many achievements on his resume that the players will buy into it as well because they know what he's done. Like, he was a legend in, in, in Overwatch esports, not only in, like, North American Europe, but, like, in Korean esports. Like, people looked up to Lunatikai, him, VJ Hong, uh, Miro, all these fantastic players. So I think the players have massive respect for him. And I think if he has the talent who actually do his job to be a head coach and those kind of skills to boot, because I think this is a great opportunity for him with his resume and personality and everything got going for him. But if he also has the skills to actually be a head coach, I think he could become uh, one of the better head coaches in the Overwatch League. So I don't think it's at all comparable to McGravy. I think McGravy, he hasn't had that same amount of uh, success, um, doesn't have the same amount of respect from his peers, other players around the league. Um, and they definitely haven't been around as many winning systems, many winning cultures in that regard. And I think that I think that impacts. I think that impacts how you view a coach, how you buy into a system, and how you buy into their ideas, which is what a coach is supposed to do. So I don't think the two cases are very comparable in that regard. And I think Toby is a great signing for the Soul Dynasty. I wish him the best of luck. I really hope it goes well. Um, I, 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 I'm fully supportive of it. I think it's a great pickup by Soul. You uh, you mentioned Miro in the middle of that. Miro's actually just changed his Twitter name to Miro underscore Overwatch two. Don't know whether <laughs> don't know, <laughs> don't know whether actually? anyone else saw that. That's but, really, uh, I did not see that. That, that would be a, I, I assume that would be as a coach though. I don't think he's going to come back and reprise the tank role. No. But uh, I know. You, I did, that, yeah, let's move on. Let's you move also on. said Connor earlier that uh, not pissing people off is a really important part of uh, any announcement when you're becoming a coach. It's also it pretty important for players too. The Washington Justice are thinking of shopping Decay around, uh, according to another report by Halo here. Uh, do we think that this is a good move or a bad move overall for Washington to potentially uh, let go one of their star players, like one of the players that defines how their team works and yet has so much other stuff when you talk about Decay, you have to mention how good he is, but then also all of the um, nonsense that he's been involved in over the years in terms of not really getting on with certain teams or playing a very solo style that doesn't seem to mesh with other teammates. 
What do you think about this for the Washington Justice in the offseason? How does this change their team? I want? Well, because looking at their currently signed player list, they have Decay, Mag, Fury, Assassin, Happy, Krillin. And then Vigilante is signed, but underage, right? Is how their current team looks. And so if you remove Decay from this squad, let's say theoretically that were to happen, does this, I mean, who do you even get to replace him? What hyperflex is available that plays Tracer and plays like Hitscan? Because that's kind of the role that he plays is that he's like kind of an Edison player that can also play projectile. Like he's sort of a hyperflex, but not really. Um, he's just like a very flexible tracer player that is primarily hit scan based, but can also play some projectiles. And so you I look at that I, just on a paper. Like I who think would I would him? define him as a hyperflex, though. I think he is a hyperflex. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I don't think he's quite as flexible as like he play every projectile, though. I think he can just play several of them. I think we haven't but, seen it. I think true. We haven't seen I, it. We haven't. I think seen the guy it. might yeah, be. I, I think his talent might everywhere else would indicate that he probably probably would be capable of playing almost any DPS pick. The question is whether he'd play it well within a team system, because <laughs> that always seems yeah. to be the case with with Decay. Yeah, I, I mean, I had also questions we didn't, all year we didn't about hear that. any. We didn't hear any complaints about Decay this year, though, right? Necessarily, there was drama around him not showing up for some of the early games. But then that was said that like he didn't feel confident and. He was refining his hero pool for a particular style. So, like, obviously, that we didn't hear any direct knowledge that it was Decay. Like, well, I'm, I'm just meaning from the games that we've watched, I always felt like Decay was not. It feels like he focuses on himself rather than synergizing with the team. I feel like a lot of other people play the heroes he does in a smarter way in Overwatch. He's insanely mechanically gifted, but he gives me like, um, I don't know, like effect vibes or something where the guy's just trying to solo carry rather than making sure he's always coordinated. Hey, but there's but one less person to let him down in Overwatch 2. <laughs> yeah. You need to carry yeah. one less person, just saying. Like, True, it's definitely going to be maybe more carryable. Maybe you can drag five people over the finish line, but hey, can he drag four? We'll see. Also, his team's were shit shows, right? Like, I mean, his team this year was a shit yeah. show. It was a, Justice, where, like, it was not an issue of talent. It was an issue of that they, their brain stims had vanished into another dimension, and there was no, there was no fucking signals going between body to brain. Like, yeah, but, there was but that, some, some of that responsibility is on the players as well. These are great sure. players that should have been able to make that team work, and yet they frequently looked like one of the worst teams in North America. Not always, but they had multiple moments but the point the being is like decay like was you're gonna decay... absolve him of all responsibility for that no i'm not I'm gonna not. absolve him of sim of the responsibility i'm simply saying is he gonna is he a symptom or is he a cause is he somewhere in between like I think where probably does decay somewhere in, in between that? personally so like and considering that we're moving into a more dps centric game <clears throat> i don't know like you could argue about like where i, I would kind of state like at this point, if we're moving into a more DPS-centric game, and also when I look at the Justice roster, and after the performance last year, I feel like Decay is potentially necessary to give keep this team having a fighting chance. Like, I'm not particularly thrilled about the signing of Krillin, though granted it's for a short term until Vigilantes of Age, so like, whatever. Uh, Mag and Fury were both meh last year. Um, I don't know about... Yeah, they were pretty meh. I think 
Mag had like one I think good Mag moment. Had some Mag, great did moments. Mag had some fantastic moments. I think Mag had moments. one good game. I think Mad had, Mag had one great game versus Fearless. I think he had one great game. And it doesn't mean Mag's not good. I think Mag yeah. is still, I think his team was just dog shit. And I think, I think like, yeah, the symptom of the team in that fact. So I still Mag think, but I'm just, the... you know, just saying, just saying, like getting rid of your potential star player in a DPS centric game could backfire specifically when there's not that many hyperflexes on the market. Yeah. Where I mean, who's going to play Tracer around. on this team? You have to build around the cave. There are, there are only like a handful of these. I swear they've tried that a billion times. It's not going to happen. Well, it's did not. they though? No, did, did they though? Because like genuinely, like last season, as I said, was like a shit show. It, it was yes, like... Yes, it was. There was... I, I mean, don't I don't think, know what was honestly, with like I'm Supreme and the coaching staff I... and like, you know, his yeah, support sure. players. Like they didn't have a big player. Holy fuck, their big play last there year. There were massive good. holes in that team, yeah. Abysmal. Do I blame Justice for uh, shoving to K a little bit and maybe throwing them out there, see if they can get offers, maybe he goes to another team? I don't I don't blame them at all, really. There is no way Washington Justice as a franchise improves if they get rid of the K. I don't think that's there's true. No do they way. Get I think that's like They're not gonna trade Flatter for the K. There, there's no oh. one you can like trade him on an equal level. Like you will only get worse. There could be away. some cracked rookie or something that could come play. The biggest concern for me of getting into K is who plays Tracer for this team. That's the biggest okay, thing. Who yeah, do you find to play sure. Tracer? Maybe well, you happy, expect them to the be happy. Have someone to replace but, that. Or yeah, but happy. I don't think happy Tracer for what we've seen of it is that good. Okay, it's definitely not close to K. What other team in the league do you think makes the trade for Decay? Let's play this game. Who actually okay. says yes? Give me another hyperflex where both teams say yes, because I can't I'll think give, of one. I'll of the give you a couple. You know, the couple teams you look at, because Decay, like, his magnitude. Like, I don't care. Well, like, if Reddit jumps on, us, uh, on, a, on like, a narrative or whatever, like, Decay, like, we're all rating him. It's not that good. He hasn't that level of success. Like, sorry, I'm not going to buy into that. I get it if you don't like Decay as a player because of his drama and because, you know, so him not being able to find a team that is reliable, consistent, and he's not being able to buy into these situations. I get that if you don't like him as a player because of that. But he is extremely talented. So you're yeah. realistically looking at like Soul Dynasty and it's like, hey, would you want to trade Fitz for Decay? And maybe we, you know, can get like creative or something as well. Um, but like Soul well, Dynasty, we, uh, they're like, they're they like bought that, in. Why, they're, why they're would they bought, trade Soul for... Exactly. Soul but Dynasty, Fitz, like they're bought in. Fitz also isn't a hyperflex. I mean, he's very flexible. I mean, well, you know, you, you don't necessarily can expect actually. the hyperflex back. But you also, he doesn't, play, he doesn't really play Tracer. It's Flutter that traditionally plays Tracer for them. Uh, you mean profit? You mean profit, but yeah. Or profit, I should say. Profit, yeah. yeah. But they're not trading away profit. Pro and if you wanted to make like decay, a decay profit, you know, duo, like, okay, that's one of the most insane DPS duos we ever had in Overwatch. But still, I don't see Seoul making that. And then the other team is like, Shanghai Dragons is like, hey, do you want who are you when develop? Or not even develop. It's not <laughs> but why would you? But, but why like, would they want, why are would you just want that? that? I'm just yeah. saying, there's no team that has a trade okay. offer. I'm looking, I'm, 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 I'm looking through. Do you want Kilo? Do you want I'm looking Kilo through some of these. Kilo? I'm looking through some like, of these players. I'm gonna look through some of the teams, and I'm gonna ask you. I'm, I'm gonna. We're gonna play the game. Who says no? Right. So it's Washington. De uh, decay for somebody, which team says no? So, decay for Nero on the Atlanta Reign. No. No, because they, no, I mean, they don't want which, it. Which team says yeah. no? Which team would not want that oh. trade to happen? Probably the Nero's team. You, you think Atlanta wouldn't want decay? I don't think, I don't think, I think Justice 
I mean, the thing is, I don't think it's a good trade full stop. I'd say no if I was every team. I'm gonna be really honest. <laughs> it, does, with it doesn't really fit either of their rosters. It doesn't. It's they're kind of clearly going like Atlanta's going full Western, and Justice are clearly trying to say full Korean. So, what about yeah, it doesn't make yeah. What about decay for striker on that Boston? That is the sure. Who says no? That who says no? The there? only thing. I'm not sure who would say no there. I think I think Decay says no because doesn't want to go to Boston. But who yeah. knows? Maybe he wants to. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I mean, yeah. honestly, who knows though? Like, I mean, that would be a really interesting. That would be the most 5D chess move ever, where Huck's like, Striker, come back, and then he just trades him for Decay. <laughs> <laughs> like, that would be. That would be really I'd love that though. Funny. I actually think that move makes some level that, of that sense. Move, that move actually would make sense. <laughs> striker and MCD. <laughs> I yeah. don't think you need like a, st a straight hyperflex. You're talking about trading. It's like how many hyperflexes do we even fucking have in Wait, the league? Oh. We don't have that many at all. It's like, mostly you just get it's a mostly tracer one trick at that point. Yes, you tracer. just get a tracer one trick. But ideally, your tracer player moving to Overwatch two, you don't want to have a tracer one trick for Overwatch two simply because there's sure. a possibility where depending on the map design or hero design as we move into it, like you want someone to be, you don't want to have a one trick player because that's gonna really hurt you in a new game potentially. Yeah. Okay, definitely. But you'd get someone that's like specialized in Tracer who can play a few other things. You don't necessarily have, need a hyperflex. Assass could still play these uh flex. I think I think Striker play um yeah, okay. Striker to his, me is like the most one. obvious one. It's Decay cool for one. Edison from the Dallas Fuel. Who says no? No, I mean who right. says no? No, Dallas I mean, doesn't. What, what are you? Dallas, come what on. Are you talking about? I think Dallas. I know who says no. No way. I think I know the fans, no. the fans say no. The fans I think, say no. I think no. the fuel yeah. front office say no. Potentially <laughs> Um, let me think. Let me think if there's any others. I'm just scrolling through the other teams at the moment. Um Decay for Hisu. Decay for Hisu. I mean, I don't think that really fills the tracer role, though. I, I mean, does Hisu play tracer. tracer that much? Yeah, you, really. you gotta stop thinking with the one-to-one -one comparisons. Like sometimes well, no, you can get that. It's not about the one-to-one. -one. They, one they need a tracer player. You need that one-to-one would be a high Find, put a bandage on. It's fine. They don't even need a one-to-one. Dallas didn't need a tracer player. They need a tracer that can also play. What about? I'm loving this game actually. What about? What about for Dante on the Houston Outlaws? See, so, okay, I was gonna propose that simply because think about this. What? Think, no, no, think about this. Houston needs a hit scan player. Da Decay can play hit scan. In fact, he prioritized hit scan last Decay year. Pelican. Decay Pelican is a DPS line. But the Overwatch biggest 2? problem, the biggest problem with that is that Dante would have to go to a full Korean roster. So I don't think it would happen. What the this, fuck yeah, are Justice is gonna do with way. Dante? Assassin Dante DPS line with well, no, I mean, that's that actually would be not all right. and Dante that's on the same bad. team. Dante plays Tracer, he plays Flex heroes like that. He that that's totally fine. Also, totally Washington, fine. Washington are the fucking US brand. They get a US player, you know, like well, I, I think they've they been happy the before player. as well. So there's some sort of synergy there too. Yeah, I think I think there's a legitimately decent argument to be made for that trade. It's just it's not going to happen. It's just yeah. We'll it just what about, what about if Washington really don't want decay, decay, <laughs> decay for Sparker? Does London accept? <laughs> I mean, I feel like London would. I mean, honestly, if I'm London, I'd feel like if I if I can take fuck a it, YOLO, middle, right? I accept. Fuck well, it, if YOLO. they do, if they just do a one-to-one -one trade, if they're saying like, "Yeah, we'll take Sparker's most likely minimum contract and trade it for Decay's <laughs> probably hyperback, but we don't have to pay any extra, just like you pay the difference, then, then if we just to take him, like then London takes." Him, sure. So Washington yeah. is still paying Decay's salary, then, well, yeah, but they get Sparker. Yes. Oh, yeah. God, that okay. Be... What, what, what about you know? I think we could also look at it like, what if Washington Justice, like they dealt Decay to someone like New York or someone trying to build a team, and they signed Yaki. 
Like, I don't Ooh, know what the status the swap is for Yaki. Yaki I mean, that, would, that would be sick. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, getting Yaki would be insane. That would be, that would be a, insane. That would be a huge get. I would have so much more faith in... Um, in the justice, but I think... I'm not sure how much it would change my faith in New York, actually. I think New York look like they've got a pretty talented roster, but they've already got, like, a collection of I don't really know how it's going to work players. And so adding Decay in there, Decay's a great player, but he's also a I don't know how it's going to work with your team. It is a fun question, actually. I'll ask you this, Aicha, then. If you only got to pick one as a GM or a coach, whatever, okay. if you only got to pick one, would you rather have Decay or Yaki? Yaki, definitely. Yaki, yeah. because, Yaki definitely over the Yeah, game. Yaki definitely. Yes. Because 100%. here's the thing. At, at some point, you've I really have to start asking the question, why hasn't Decay had the success that he mechanically should be able to have? And I, I was thinking about that all year this year while I was watching him play. And I do really believe part of it is because he doesn't seem to... I don't know whether... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to imagine that it does primarily come from him and it's not just his teammates are completely silent around him. But he doesn't try to make the same synced up plays as the other top teams do a lot of the time. Like a lot of the other DPS players are specifically fighting over certain areas of the map to get in position for someone else to like set up a dive with them or something like that, right? There's like some skirmish that goes on and then you go in at the same time as the rest of your team. Decay fights constantly. He's just in there fighting, fighting, fighting. It doesn't matter what the hell is going on with the rest of his team. He's just trying to like hard carry, get picks wherever he can. It doesn't matter whether the rest of his team are retreating or they're pushing. He's just always active, always doing something, always trying to get an advantage for his team, which it looks cool. And he often does manage to get huge advantages, but I don't think, I feel like the method in which he plays is to some extent it's part of the archaic. ceiling for him as well. It, it's almost archaic as well, because as the, as the game evolves, and this goes for other esports too, people just get smarter. Team player becomes just way fucking better. I think well, I, a good I example agree. of this is looking... I agree this year. I don't think that's necessarily the case next year. I think next year could be a spaghetti sure. fest where someone yeah, like Decay well, could actually absolutely. hard carry. I think Decay yeah. actually could hard carry next year in a game where game no one knows what's going unknown. on and it's 5v5. Yeah. He could just run around killing one player at a time and win. Yeah. True. I think it's, uh, yeah, sure. I mean, my point's kind of null and valid then. Uh, null and void, sorry, um, in that regard. Yeah. Forgot we're moving to a different game. Maybe we, we aren't. Are. We are, in fact, Who playing knows? a different game. Yeah. All right. Anyway, let's, let's move on to talking about the Dallas Fjord. They signed Rascal as assistant coach. So going for a similar move, actually, to the Seoul Dynasty, except not the head coach position. Uh, Rush is not <laughs> getting ousted for Rascal. But... This is another player with a huge amount of experience who's been everywhere, done everything, and is now going to coaching as we move into Overwatch 2. What do you think about this move? Seems, seems pretty good to me. Yeah, seems extremely reasonable, and it's almost like um, it, it was almost time for it to happen. I think Rascal was a bit of an oddity to me because there were some points where like he was just absolutely clapping cheeks. And then there were other points where, like, he was just never played. We'd hardly ever see him. But that I think that was more to do with the meta and the teams that he's been on. Because what a shock, Philadelphia Fusion. I think him moving to a role um, as a coaching role because he can play so much stuff too, or like an assistant coaching role. And he has so much experience looking all the way back into, like, Apex and stuff. It's like a Toby kind of move too. I, I really enjoy the fact that he's going as an assistant coach under Rush as well. Another extremely accomplished coach with continuing to coach players that he's coached basically his whole career at this point as well. I think it's a fantastic... Did he ever coach Rascal? I don't think he ever coached um, Rascal, right? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. 
I'm Which not, would have been I, a very cool storyline. I'd have to check, but I don't believe so. I think it's an interesting move. I mean, once again, like all, when you take accomplished players and put them in coaching positions, you're taking a gamble. It's it's why I don't necessarily it's why I didn't necessarily agree with Jonathan's point with Toby is because like there are plenty of great players in the past that become coaches and immediately fizzled out and burned. Coco. Remember Coco? Coach? Okay, remember Coco sure. coach? Oh, and remember Coco? And remember Grim Reality? Toby and remember Grim Coco Reality? Right now? <laughs> but no, oh but at the God. time, um, the point being, Coco, I, I mean, let's say Coco won Apex. Coco won Apex. He won Apex and was still at the top of North America playing Overwatch. And then he went and played Overwatch and he became a coach. And so if oh, we took those and their points right of time, but that's not the point. If, I, if at that time, if both Toby and Coco became coaches, would you not have agreed that their pedigree was essentially the same at that exact same moment in time? Around there. Oh both had won Apex. Dude. Not quite, but I understand your point. But it's, you understand it's what I'm saying. It's They're similar. still in the same realm. They're still in the same realm. Those are both major. Those are both major I mean, tournament actually, winners. Another example is uh, let's say Grim Reality, who obviously is like uh, Kai, but Kai. Like, was Kai Kai. Like there's there's plenty of players that have turned coaches that have not always had great results. Okay, there are players that have very minimal success that I think have had very good career player like coaching careers. Aid, for example. Aid, who became an assistant coach, I think Aid. Everything I've heard about Aid has seemed that it's been a, he's been a great player coach and a great assistant coach. He's gone in that position. So I mean, I don't actually, Kuki as well didn't really achieve yeah, much Kuki, as a player, Kuki but has achieved that much and is reasonably well as a coach. Here. Now, last year was not good, but over his yeah, but we'll see as expanding. we move forward, right? Yeah. I don't think previous player success has nothing to do with their coaching ability, in my opinion. I and it's not, but it's not a harmful benefactor, right? Like if you're a very successful player. And you have a lot of wealth of knowledge, then I think, and also the type of player and their success matters greatly, right? Because like, if the K, who everyone is, is like a great player, amazing player, if you became a coach right now, would you be like, I can't wait to see the K as coach? I can't wait to see the K as coach, right? Like, I don't think so. But when you take a much more, I think specifically Toby makes a lot of sense because not only is he experienced, but also he's been known to be a very smart player. Right. So I do. Yeah. I, I still think that the difference is there between the two, obviously, because his success and his actual temperament and what people describe his play as and what you see and his, his influence on the game. But at the end of the day, it's still an unproven coach and experience and awards don't necessarily translate into coaching ability at all. I, I, I think Toby is a unicorn. I think, he, you know, he's for me anyway, for me, and I understand if you don't agree with me here, I think he is the exception in that regard to someone I would be comfortable handing the head coach reins for. But, but when it comes to these yet, other players, know? when it comes to all these other players, like you mentioned, I think an assistant coach role to get your beginning started, especially if you had... Pre uh, previous experience with the head coach or someone on that team to step in as an assistant coach because then they know already if you're capable to be an assistant coach and if that is something you got potential to work as and contribute to. So I think Rascal is an assistant coach. I think that's reasonable. It's like, hey, you know, like maybe you could bring yeah. in, you can help us out, you know, help us out with this. I think Toby is the exception in that way and that's why I'm vouching so much for him. I don't think in any way Toby can be compared to uh, Coco, or rather the other way around. I don't think you can compare Coco. But, I mean, obviously, like, well, Coco can step in and be a head coach right there. No, no, dude. They, they, their it's, accolades it's, sorry, are it's different, a, but I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a straw similar, man, dude. You know? It's not Snillo, a straw man. That's not <laughs> a straw man. <laughs> you know, can't just say like, oh, what if Snillo was a tracer coach for, for an Overwatch League team? What if it was? What if it was? No, because it, it's so different. But yes, they both been Overwatch League players. Like, Yes, they have but, something in common, but that doesn't mean that. Uh, yeah. But okay. the point be, I mean, I, I still think there's a difference between Toby. Obviously, I think Toby is 
a different caliber, which is why he is different. But the point being is that, you know, you one can't the, put a blanket statement on it. One like of the that. interesting things for Rascal's storylines ever since he was playing in Apex, though, is that every time a new hero hit the game, he was immediately one of the best at it. That's been the case for almost all of the new heroes I can think of. I specifically remember it for Sombra. Then I remember it that extraordinarily well. uh, for Batiste when he was playing yeah. that with the Shock. And then when Echo came out, he was immediately one of the best Echo players. I mean, other people overtook him, but that's part of it, that he is really good at the beginning of it. I think that's a really interesting narrative to follow for the Dallas Fuel if he's doing positional coaching for these players. And if, as we talked about earlier, if they trickle release heroes into next year, that could be really cool to see Rascal's coaching of somebody on Sojourn or somebody on some new character that gets released and see if we can see that impact in what the Dallas Fuel are doing. That's a storyline I'm really interested to follow. Yeah. On the other side of things, Linksa retires from competitive Overwatch. Longtime player, played for a huge amount of time ever since the very, very beginnings of uh, European Overwatch. And I believe he's going over to Valorant, right? To try and... He says uh, he's going to try it out, there. but he hasn't yeah. really made like any firm decisions, but he wants to try doing Valorant. He's going the MBK move, where you say you're going to move, and then you just stream for a while and hope somebody <laughs> picks you up. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, Lynx has been, it felt like Lynx has been on the way out for a while now, but he was, he was definitely a great player at the early beginning of uh, 2018 and a, a player that a lot of people enjoyed watching, especially like before the league even began, actually, in like 2016, 2017 as well. Um, uh, definitely a fan favorite with the Houston Outlaws. And then most recently, playing for the Breadsticks. It's always been a good aimer. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him do fairly well in Valorant. I don't know if uh, he got picked up by a tier one team at this point, but you know, maybe he grinds that, does something well. I mean, he's got the work ethic there, or at least it seems so. I know in the Twitter longer he said something about, oh yeah, so Valorant, Apex, OW League, um, and stuff like that. But yeah, we'll see where he can go from there. What is the What is the success rate of players transferring to valorant successfully after being in the overwatch league because you have what um baby bay of course yeah Corey zach actually just joined a team together and so their their success is tied yeah. together right so yeah, you can't really sure. but they had reasonable success i mean also we had who, well they all just got cut from phase actually apart from baby bay so did they get cut i thought they were, oh, they were looking they? for other oh, sorry. options oh, they are looking for other options they said yes. they're exploring opportunities exploring outside opportunities yeah. Yeah. cut was perhaps too strong of a word but it seems like the team is going it's i mean you have like zumba zumba zumba's still doing pretty well bunny who plays Oh, is doing yeah. relatively well yeah. as well. Um, you got Sire player who changed else. his name to Spider. He did all right, but has kind of been in and out of a decent like top ten team within North America, I guess. If we include non Overwatching players, Derek from Rise. Sure. Derek's so that done was incredibly Overwatch. well. That was a contenders player. Yeah, that was a contenders um, player. Um, there was also, whatever like, the fuck is going on with OG. Whatever the fuck's going on with him, I don't know. Trill was actually playing for a while. Um, oh, yeah, in like, on like an up and coming team and was doing okay. The team was doing all right. Not that I watched too many of their games because they were a real like, you know, tier three team that was on the come up. But um, who else? Ants tried to make the move, but didn't really do anything like he didn't even he join the academy, team as far yeah. as i can uh, recall so i have no idea how good answer would have been if he'd stuck with it um 
Yeah. Uh, there, there isn't really a correlation of success, but I think most people who were top tier in the Overwatch League would find it simple to be able to find at least some level of career in Valorant. But Lynx, though, yeah. he wasn't at his prime in the recent seasons, so I don't know what his actual form looks like, and I don't know how long he spent playing games like CS before, so I, I've no idea. I don't know. Yeah. I just wish him the oh. best, but I don't know how yeah. successful he'll be. Hard to sure say. do pretty well. Hard to nice say. guy. Like him a lot. I yes, think very, he's very a nice guy. super cool Lo guy. So I Lovely hope he dude. has success in whatever he does. What if he becomes memes. a coach? What if the Linkser becomes an assistant coach? He said he was open to opportunities. But yeah, that's uh, that, that would be bizarre, I think. But there you go. Um, we've got another report from Halo as well. And this one, I think, is the most interesting thing I've ever seen Halo report, actually, which is that Padapan is reportedly coming back to Overwatch 2, in fact, to play for the LA Gladiators. Um, this is the kind of one that I really, really, really hope that Halo has done his due diligence on because reporting something like this can massively affect, like, Padapan's uh, career, career choices as he tries to decide between Valorant and Overwatch because he might not have told everybody involved at all times what his competing offers were for 2022. But Padapan, for anyone who's unaware, is a player from Thailand who was underage. That's why he hasn't been involved in the Overwatch League up until now. Um, he was like yeah. 14 when he first played in the Overwatch World Cup. He popped off. He's a great fucking player. He's flex DPS, but probably more of like towards the hyperflex kind of thing. Uh, but maybe not a true hyperflex. I think it, it, it remains to be seen how much he could really play hitscan stuff as he came back to overwatch but i mean he's been playing hitscan the whole time in valorant he's playing in champions in a month he's playing in the top tournament at the end of the year for valorant and he's coming back to la gladiators apparently because they pay more than the southeast asian valorant scene i think it's so cool that the guy can play at the top level in both esports i think that's nuts it's sick it, it was a real tragedy uh tragedy honestly um just getting owned because you were too young because he was just he was just a god like uh best tire is he the best tie player of all time probably at this point I mean, yeah it's him or Mickey, maybe isn't Mickey, it right yeah <laughs> so and like it, this was the same era i'm glad you're showing this clip because this was the same time where element mystic had sparkle and the doomfist 1v1s i was casting at this point as well and like Oh my god, that was the whole series was just about Hadapan playing Doom and Sparkle playing Doom. It was just two humongous highlight players. And it was such a shame that he was so young at the time. It's like, oh man, it was like almost a joke, a cruel joke. It really was. Um, he's one of the most, I would say if he could have gotten picked up at that point, he would have been up there with Sparkle, rank one and rank two of like the most hype players coming out of contenders that year. He was he is just so good at the video game. And like you said, Josh, going to another fucking game and then also competing at a high level. Like yeah. the guy's a beast. Not the just a high level, but he's arguably the best player the in Thailand level. at Valorant as well. Yeah. I, I don't know like, if you could say that for sure, because the, the Thailand actually does have a bunch of pretty decent players, but he's up there. Like he's top three in Thailand or something. Actual, at Valorant. Like, pro like prodigy level player at this yeah. point. And if he comes to Overwatch League and just pounds, dude, yeah, I, I'm I'm pumped. And I could see that happening too. He, an absolute prodigy that unfortunately was too young 
to join the league. I see yeah. Johnny has turned into a plant. I'm uh, not <laughs> sure what happened there. What happened to He's him? He's finally gone back to his roots, I guess. Um, yeah. No, well, there we I go. Don't know. But yeah. He looked like he was having issues of some point. I could see him moving, fidgeting around his room. He started to photosynthesize. <laughs> that yeah. has caused him issues. What, what do you think this does for the Gladiators? If this turns out to be correct and Padapan moves to the Gladiators and plays with them next season, this team is already looking stacked. We talked about that last week, how good the roster looks on paper. Does the addition of Padapan move them into like another tier for you guys? What, I think Padapan is like, I think, I think it's kind of remains to be seen how he's going to perform at the Overwatch League level, right? To me, he's sure. sort of signed, he's, he's signed as, as like one of those developmental prospects, kind of like, he's kind of like a tuba sorts, but, a tuba. but different. Bro, he's so much better than tuba. No, 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 listen, listen, listen. Okay. No one, like, the point is, no one knew who the fuck tuba was, and when tuba came out and played some of his projectile heroes, he was fucking cracked, right? Now, obviously, people know who Patapan is, but he has been out of the scene for a bit. He's been playing a whole different cool. game, yeah. and his, his expectations are kind of wild because we don't, he hasn't been playing the game, and also, he's never been in Overwatch League before. He's only been, like, playing in Contenders. Yeah. Um, so I do, to me, I view him as just as someone that it's a developmental prospect in that he could be very, very good. Um, but in return, you still have like Hebster and Ons, both proven talents now to shore up your, shore up your DPS line and to see, but like, he's probably going to be there if he does return to be more of a flex player to play alongside Kevster and like double flex type of metas, uh, double flex DPS metas, that is. So I think... To me, it if he plays at his peak performance and they can get and they can they can also refine his skill, because that was one thing as well. He was a very wild player at times. Like he was a very DM heavy player when he was playing Overwatch. Yeah. Um I so I think fair. if they can refine him and make him a little I, bit more polished. Him. It's five v five, Connor. Unleash the DPS. <laughs> That's true. I mean it's five v five as well. So but but the point is you would still want to see some polish out of him, I think. Oh, just sure. get some polish out of him. So I think his his ceiling is very, very high, but we just don't know what it's gonna be like if it actually comes to pass. I mean I think it's good that he signs the gladiators in the sense that you already touched on Kevster, but you also have Arns too. You can re you can hundred percent rely on Arns and Kevster to be the carries if you really need them to, and then they can mold Padapan into something that they want and just grow him as a player as well. Yeah, he's been out the game for a little while, but to be honest with you, I, considering how quickly he's been able to prove himself in Valorant, I have no problem in saying that he is going to be able to jump back in rather quickly and pick up the game as well. Yeah, like, I um, think it's just that talented. Is a brand new game too. Yeah, I, I genuinely do. Yeah, he, he is that talented just to jump in, probably be at a high, high, high level, and then Gladiators can kind of roll from there. Yeah. Okay, our final topic of the day then is about the Vancouver Titans because they are uh, apparently not no longer going to be breadstick central. They're actually making some moves, some reported, some announced, uh, but this team has now got themselves a tidy little roster apparently starting to develop. And Connor, you were, you were talking uh, last week and a couple of weeks ago as well about the Titans being willing to splash some cash. That certainly seems to be the case, right? Yeah, it does. I think that they are changing their paradigm here for because where have they they haven't actually officially signed anyone right no. just rumors but I the rumors are all pretty cool um because the rumors are like <clears throat> there's like masa uh aspire and i can't remember what the other rumors false? might be of yeah, false. false yeah Shockwave? so 
Uh, oh, shockwave. yeah, Shockwave. So, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's right, Shockwave. So, so just when you look at those names, those are all, you know, false contenders talent, but still was at the top of contenders. Um, so I do think when you start seeing the pieces of that roster, if that does come to pass, it's going to be a, it's no longer going to be Bread 16. We're no longer looking at a pizza franchise in the Overwatch <laughs> League. We're looking at a potential actual team. Mm. Um, so I do think that there is something to be to be said about if this were to happen, that they could be a real contender. Well, I mean, I you know, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. I mean, they could pick up some of these players, but just end up being like uh, a Toronto Defiant. And at that point, yeah. I still think they're worthy of the, the, the Breadsticks clan. Well, that's, Breadsticks clan. <laughs> that's my question, actually, though, because if you consider where the other teams are at, where the other rosters seem to be trying to go, a lot of other people are spending money. And sure, the Vancouver Titans themselves might be, but people don't seem to want to join... Or at least I could imagine people might not want to join the franchise as much. Uh, Massa is a big, big pickup, I think. Clearly their best player from what he's been able to showcase in the past. But what do you do you think this roster is actually going to be able to be, you know, mid-table to the point where you recover the franchise's um, reputation? Because I think that's what it is, right? People look at the Vancouver Titans and they think at the moment bad team whereas in the past they looked at vancouver when they had the runaway squad and they were like holy shit god team i love them they are my favorite team ever um so the the recovery of the reputation here i think is what you're going for in this off season are these players good enough to do that no i think i think you need a lot of work i don't think i don't think it even has anything to do with the players i don't mean it sound like it's you know the, the players need to be better but i i think that was such a massive fuck up in terms of like how Bad, the training facility and the housing was for those Vancouver Titans players and getting rid of the runaway who were like loved like those that was a loved team uh, by the community because of their history within the scene I think that was a major fuck up and I don't think you know even becoming like a mid-table team is going to have fans forgetting about that and how they disrespected and mistreated some of those uh, former players of theirs so I, I I think you need like a major shakeups or some pretty big achievements to be able to have fans forget about that um, or, you know, as time goes on, maybe people will forget. But I, I think as it stands, like, no matter how you sign, I, I, I think it, that specific cause, I, I think it's a bit... I, I don't think you can get rid of that stand necessarily straight away. Yeah, I think if you can... Winning fixes everything. So if they were to do really well, I think it would solve most of their issues. Not quite, not everything, but some. If, well, no, it, it really does. Like, you can have completely dysfunctional rosters that only exist because at the time they're really good and their synergy at that point works. And then as soon as something goes wrong and they stop winning, then it falls apart, right? It's like winning kind of in competitive sports does fix everything because it hides all the fucking broken shit underneath the winning. And I do think that... Do you think it's likely? No, I don't. I think... And also, there's no guarantee they get these players either. But like, when you look at their roster so far, this supposed roster of leaked players, Masa Aspire Shockwave false is like probably looking at like a mid-table to maybe upper mid-table roster at best but like oh, there is at best. at best but like there's no there's no way that they're looking to be like a top three four team from that right like like and the level of winning you have to get to a to pretty much a race or patch over all the past problems with this team and their previous season performance mm -hmm. is like top you need like a top four or five level performance to you be need like a shanghai dragons-esque yeah. performance you need, you need to have like a ridiculous turnaround and there's sure. probably no way that happens and even though so they're but it's definitely going to be a good rebuild if these players are picked up and it's potentially gives you hope that the team's not going to be a meme it just won't fix any of the other issues and like their previous image 
Okay, well, yep. we'll we'll look forward to that, and hopefully they have another bread. Well, actually, I don't think the breadsticks game would be fun if they actually won the breadsticks early <laughs> in the season. The point was the starvation. That was in fact yeah. You want starvation? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's unlikely there's a breadstick <clears throat> bowl that occurs this next year if that roster does come to pass. I think. So. Yeah. I think you can continue with it. I think you can move on. You know, you can now can start integrating community into it. Have like breadstick night. Uh, you know, you can also like just pass it to a new like team. That, I like think I think you could have a baguette bowl. I think the I think Paris and London potentially. Yeah. Potentially. That could be the fight for next year. Yeah. We don't know though. Not not certain. Let's move on to our final segment, the most important segment of the week, which is Bren's Player of the Week. And Bren's Player of the Week this week takes us back to our first topic because there's only one person that would qualify this week and it's of course alarm in remembrance um play of the week play of the year hopefully commemorated in the future in some method within uh overwatch or overwatch league uh, be that through the rookie of the year thing or through various other ways um in which he could be commemorated and remembered um so yeah i'm not going to talk too much about it because we already talked about it and uh and discussed that whole topic but it's it's alarm and we would encourage you to go and just take a look at his highlights. Remember him. Say a, a couple of kind words on the Fusion Twitter because I'm sure some of his uh, family will be taking a look at that and see kind of how the community was, was remembering it over these next couple of days. So, Ren's Player of the Week this week, Alarm. And we'll see you next Thanks week for another episode as well as we head into 113. All right. That was a pretty long episode, but we chunked through quite a lot. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. <laughs>